Hello and thank you for listening to the That's Why They Were Quality podcast. We are going to finish off the list of the 50 greatest rappers by Paddy Stanton. And um, yeah, let, let's do it, Geezer. Yeah. So that, yeah, so what I'll do is uh, I'll move on um, to number five, which is I've got Notorious B.I.G. Oh, here we go, here we go, the old B.I.G. Mm. I mean, it's uh, what more can we say about Biggie? I mean, I remember when we were at uni, actually, me and you used to listen to uh, Ready to Die quite a lot, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, when we, when we were getting ready... Um, I was getting ready to die on my ass in terms of uh, talking to females, so it was quite a good preparation for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, are you re- are you ready to die at this moment? I, I hope not. I hope not. I'm keeping safe in these times, so I'm, I'm hoping uh, hoping I don't. But it's uh, it's yeah, he's one of them where when when you have a top five, he will probably be a firm fixture. On, on most people's top five, I would say. Yeah, it's one of them. It's like, of course, music's subjective. I'm never going to deny that. But you, you can't... There has to be some objectivity to it, in my opinion. It's like with the Beatles, you know, if you have made a top five bands of all time, listen, you never put the Beatles on there. It's just a bit like, you know... It's, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it doesn't... It's not it's not valid then, I don't think. It, and it's the same with, like, not, not putting Biggie on a on a top five or a top ten, top ten even, rap list, because he absolutely belongs there. The What he did for New York and breaking out, because they were getting killed by the West Coast at the time, weren't they? And then they went for Biggie. The East Coast might not have uh, had their resurgence. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he was the the leading light of, um, of yeah. that. Yeah. Because re- there was so much good shit in the East Coast, underground shit at the time. But they didn't know how to make a hit, did they? And Biggie had the flow, he had the voice to make a perfect hit. And obviously, P. Diddy, he knew that. He was the hit maker, wasn't he? Fair play to him. But that comes down to Biggie's flow and his voice and and just his whole his whole diction when it comes to rapping. It's something which um, has tried to have been replicated. <coughs> cough, cough, Jay Z. But um, he will. <laughs> No one will, uh, no one will ever compare to Biggie when it comes to that. And the, his big thing is, it's got to be just the storytelling. Isn't it? I mean, is there, has there ever been as a great storyteller as Biggie before? Yeah, it's good, it's good shout that he, he's, he's another one I'd put on that list with the Nas, Jizza, Mob Deep, where when they are rhyming about something, they're rhyming about the streets. They, they do, they put you there, like you can imagine. They paint a picture for you. And it's like you're you're in the rhymes that they're rhyming. And yeah, I I was I can confirm that. Yes, I was I was uh, I was growing up in the nineties in Brooklyn. I, I I am on the street. You can you can see me in old Biggie clips with me headphones on, Defo. Yeah, I can testify to that. Yeah, no doubt. He another thing that is is uh, great about him is he raps about stuff that. No one else would rhyme about like um, I mean suicidal thoughts like for for like the main example is one of them where who else would have thought about doing a whole song about like like you know just ba- basically like wanting to kill yourself or like um, um, I mean again like ready to die just just his grim sort of comprehension of of death is something and and still making an album that's really successful as well at the same time mm. is 
uh, unbelievable. I mean, who else would have thought to have done that? No, no one th- could think they could go to those those levels and then them depth. Just probably open enough to, to do that. And the fact that he came along and he was, you know, he, he, he was what he looked like, wasn't he? And the fact that it, it made no difference as well. So, like, it's similar to the whole Eminem and, you know, the white thing. It's like, you know, because he was white, he had to work 10 times harder. Well, you know, Biggie looked the way he did. He was a chunky fire dude, wasn't he? And, and because of that, he, he... What was that? The lazy eye as well, I think. Because that, yeah. that's... Like, if you want to be a pop star... That is not the conventional look that will get you there. Mm. That's it, and and he probably had to work harder in in a way because of that. Mm. Um, but he was one of them where the difference was his attitude and his just it was whole his whole attitude is he is you know take no prisoners. I am I'm gonna make it. That was his whole thing, and and he made it by being an, another one who was an open book. I know you mentioned earlier or someone was an open book, but he legitimately, he just laid his entire life in his albums, in his songs. He he explained everything about what was going on in from, you know, his personal life to his sex life. And that, that Biggie he left his heart, not on his sleeve, but, it, but he left it in, in his albums and in his songs. Yeah, yeah, he... Uh... He he definitely you could tell that he lived that gangster life that he was he was rapping about. He it was completely authentic. He wasn't trying to be someone that he wasn't, and he wasn't he wasn't afraid, as you say, to to let out the more emotional side. Uh, something, of course, that one of the things that everyone will talk about with Big is that he never wrote any of his rhymes down, which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's that battle rap mentality again, isn't he? Just gets in the in the booth and, and just just spits and even makes it even more impressive. It's it's so it's cool to this list as well to just see how the rappers work differently and and what makes them tick in a way and how like the some some of them like to write down as much as possible and they have like full on rhyme books full of rhyme schemes and then you have people like Biggie who just he can just get in there and basically freestyle in a way off the top of his head. But because of all the shit he has been through and all the, he, he's able to tell that story and again, um, pick the picture and, and make you make you invest as much as possible. But he he had that, but he also had he had a yeah he was he was he was charming, wasn't he in a way? And he was he was so charismatic and he's one of the more, most charismatic rappers has ever been. And um, yeah, also when it comes to debut album, same with Big L. Like these these nineties rappers were so good at just coming straight in with it. You don't get that as much anymore, I don't think. Where like the first album is just, you know, the best album. It's just such a, it's an instant classic. You don't you don't get instant classics as much. But when it comes to Ready to Die, it was another one that was an instant classic. Yeah, definitely, definitely was. And he he's he. I mean, I kind of alluded to to the point earlier, but he's the the way he would. We talked about on previous podcasts the art of back in the, like the 90s especially back in the day picking one theme and then making a whole song about it like making a, a whole song about like picking a unique concept to make a song about biggie was the master of that like 10 crack commandments uh, me and my bitch everyday struggle they were like very specific themes that he would friend of mine another one that he would you, you knew what that song was about he stayed on message he explored the message and and you could come away and, and 
and you could you knew, you knew exactly what that song was about it was a it was a sing, single yes yeah, basically a single message that he was conveying which i wish more rappers would would do now yeah yeah absolutely agree with that and the fact that he and then you got you picked that you picked juicy I mean, everyone in your nan listens to that tune. I mean, my, I, I hear my mum listen to Juicy every single day in my life. I mean, that's got to have, like, the most... Probably the most crossover appeal a hip-hop song's ever had, do you think? Yeah, that and Hypnotise. Uh, uh, Big Pop, you got to put up there as well. They're, they're, they're free tunes where they are overplayed, but they're still enjoyable. You can still... When they come on, when Juicy comes on and... If you're at a house party or if you're going to a warehouse, it will come on. It will come on. If if you ever go to a club and it says hip hop night, Juicy will come on. It will happen. <laughs> yeah, Juicy will be played at least five times. It, exactly, at least five times it will be played. But you're not and you're not as annoyed as you would be <laughs> like when like like when Ninety Nine Problems comes on. I'm like. Actually, no, no, actually, no, I could still get with that one, but but there is certain songs you're like, for fuck's sake. But but when when Juicy comes on, you still do rap along just because it is one of the most inspirational songs ever written, and mm. one of the, the greatest opening lines to any song ever is "It was all a dream" because it, it in right in that first the first lyrics right there encapsulates his entire story. And what the entire song's about, and also, yeah, just his entire story of rags to riches, in in one lyric, like it, it, unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. Cannot argue with that. And obviously, he had the film as well. Uh, what did you make of the, the biopic? It was good. It was. I, I don't know. I believe it got like mixed reviews. I, I enjoyed it personally. It, again, Biggie and that film. One of the uh, the things that really got me into hip hop, actually, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. What about yourself? I actually really liked it, and I still do to this day. I don't. It's probably. Is there any? I haven't seen all eyes on me to be fair, but I don't think that I'm not, not that there's been many other hip hop biopics, but it's one of the uh, the best hip hop biopics I've seen. One of the just best music. It's it's up there with music biopics. It's not one of the best music overall music biopics I've seen. I'd probably give that to there's quite a few of the uh, just the Beach Boys one, isn't there? That was really good. He's too much to watch that. Yeah. Have you got some favourite music biopics? Me, well, I mean, um I straight out of Compton's one, then obviously you got Walk the Lion and, and Ray have got to be up there. Yeah. Um and uh, I think yeah, they they've got to be up there. I'm trying to think of any that actually come to mind actually. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, give me one second music I quite like Bohemian Rhapsody I thought it was alright yeah I haven't seen Rocketman yet how was that Rocketman's very good it's one of them where if you know what to expect when you watch it like it is a musical they are going to play around with with the the timeline if you expect it uh, then then it's good Uh, Behind the Candelabra that was a good biopic and also the runaways as well that was great uh one that i wasn't a big fan of was the film get on up the james brown one i thought that was a load of bollocks yeah did you ever see nowhere boy nowhere boys pretty good pretty good yeah. i'd love them to actually make a proper like beatles actual like beatles biopic but i think it'd be, it'd be impossible though to replicate don't you think like it'd be so hard 
it would be and also just because the rights to the music i reckon it would be just so expensive <laughs> yeah and uh, you, you, just on that, on that topic as well 24-hour party people um about the fact the factory records oh, yeah. that was good that's great yeah sex drugs and rock and roll um about ian jury mm. um and all oh, cadillac records you've got a bung on there as well but uh and the best biopic ever um el cantante of course yeah oh yeah <laughs> is that the best is it you just said yes you just agreed with that that is on record is Chaz and dave got one they have not hopefully like uh-huh. one I feel like you, you and Louis Lydon can play Chas and Dave. You, you get away with it. I, I, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Who would you be? Would I you be Dave, my... Dave Hodges or would you be Chas Peacock? <laughs> I don't know. That's a difficult one. That is such a hard... hard to, I don't even know how to answer it, to be honest. Too perfect. Yeah, yeah. I have to get myself into shape for it. Oh yeah, because Chaz and Dave were known for being absolute gain gains monsters, weren't they? Oh, they were. Those physiques under them clothes were just incredible. Mm. Like <laughs> yourself, game. Yeah, what are my favourites? Yeah. Hmm. It's quite hard. Like I've got to get the name up. The uh, the Brian Wilson one was sick. I'm gonna say uh, I've got the name of it. The Brian Wilson one is definitely one of, one of the best I've seen. Obviously, like you said, straight out of Compton, it's up there. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Love and Mercy. It's called yeah. That that's one of my favourites. So go check Love and Mercy out. Paul Dano is uh, is great in it. Yes. Yeah, so oh, when we just you know my list. As a yeah, you should need to give it a go. For, yeah, I will do. So just uh, yeah, just just finishing off on Biggie. I mean, he's left behind one massive legacy, as well as someone else that I'll, I'll talk about. But probably got one of the the most sought after legacies that there's ever been in hip hop. I mean, do you feel like with with his death, he, he he his legacy grew, or do you feel if he stayed alive, he would have he would have been on the same path? And, and, and also, where would you see him in today's hip-hop? I still see him fitting in with today's hip-hop. He, uh, I could definitely see that. His music is timeless. It doesn't sound dated at all. Uh, if he would have lived, this, it's hard to know, really. It's really hard to know. Um, would he still be as good? Would he drop off? Um, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I have a sneaky suspicion he might have done some more commercial songs uh so but i'd love to have hear him today to hear him with kendrick and uj coles joe badass is what what he'd have sounded like i don't know what, what do you reckon the thing with beardy yeah he had such a um, style and, and flow and like a cadence that was i think he could adapt it into today's style you know those sort of like especially the mainstream stuff like the trap stuff like the way they say, like a future and all that, those kind of people. I think he would have adapted his style like perfectly to that, because he, he had that in him. He had the, the he was a he was a hit machine as well. That's the thing. He, he had the style and the, the flow to to match hits. So I think he would have fitted in perfectly with today's rap. Um, now on the other hand, the, the the person I'll get to further on in this list, um, it might be a different story. Hmm. So off yeah. the bat, some of your favorite Biggie Biggie songs. Oh, um, 
I mean, suicidal thoughts up there is just incredibly like unique song, unbelievable. Uh, I'm gonna have to put yeah, put that one up there. Everyday struggle, and um, I've got to put ten crack commandments. Yeah, some good ones. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with the the what feature method man. That that's a tune. Uh, mm. Give me the loot as well. Some really good ones from from Life After Death as well. Um, some great primo production on there actually. Um, if I just get it, get her up here, uh, do, do, do. Life After Death. So we have. Oh yeah, so we had going back to Cali. Obviously, kicking the door as well is a class tune. It, it's sure. also what, what do you reckon is the better album as well? Because I mean, it's not necess- it's it's not really counted as a posthumous album, but. I guess it could be in a way. That's a very, it's a very hard one to answer that. Um, as as anyone who's got the album up on Wikipedia can tell, um, uh, B.I.G. has done a song with R. Kelly. So, yeah. but, uh, so for that reason, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Life After Death, but, um, not Life After Death, sorry, that came out all wrong. I'm going to go. <laughs> R. But, Kelly supporter. I've been supporter. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That was <laughs> that. That could have went very badly. That's gonna. Uh, uh, that's gonna make the legendary. Uh, that's why they were quality bloopers in the future. It will do. Um, so yeah, for that reason, I'm. I'm gonna have to go for yeah, life after death. But, but some great ones on this, of course. Uh, Miss Shoes, a very emotional song. Something to be big. You didn't really do very often, so it's nice. Yeah, to sky, for- sky's the limit as well. Another uh, introspective song from Biggie. Oh yeah, very inspirational song. Yeah, um, that's another thing about Biggie is just the the last thing to really sum up on him. He's, I mean, I know he was he was a gangster and he probably you know he was a drug dealer and all that, but his music was inspirational. At the end of the day. Yeah, 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 it was definitely inspirational. And got to remember, he has done a song, technically two songs, but even though one was posthumous, with Michael Jackson. So yeah. So, who's at your number four then, Geezer? So, at number four, I've got the one, the only, Eminem, Slim Shady, you know the rest. Got I've got Eminem. Now, you see, this surprises me, because I, I would have thought he would have been, like, if I was to come into this predicting what your number one would be, I would have put Eminem there. Yeah. I know it's no secret that Eminem is my favourite artist of, of all time. But Any drummer. Yeah, of any genre. I mean, it's just hard as you get older because your tastes also do develop and do change in a way. But it's like a, a rapper as, as prolific as Emma. I don't think there's ever been a rapper quite as prolific. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, maybe if this was an, another time, maybe like, I don't know, four or five years ago, it, it'd be Eminem 1. But I do need a certain sense of, like, objectivity to it as well, I think. And while... Um, might necessarily be my favourite at most times. If I'm talking like if I'm coming, if I'm looking at a list, trying to be subjective, obviously, but also looking in the sense of objectivity, being objective slightly, then I don't think he'd quite be number one for. I think more in the in the case of like you know a cultural significance and like what it did for. Say, because because at the end of the day, rap music it, it is black music. We, we we know you know everyone should admit that. So coming at it from that end, what it did for the streets and it did for the culture on 
in you know coming on it from that end that's probably the only reason I'd really wouldn't put M as one but if we're talking as the technical rapper as a pure lyricist doesn't really get much better than M does it yeah it's interesting he's obviously one of the greats um what what makes him so great what would you say geezer well so for me he's he's took from he's it's no secret that he is probably the biggest hip-hop nerd that there's ever been the amount of times that he will shout out rappers and rap groups on his songs so he's probably like the first rap nerd to, to actually record and he's took from so many different styles and so many different rappers and he's just blended it into all his to his own to his own style and because of that he's carved the 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 the, the secret to the, the way that he, the way he his way with words is unlike any other i mean he's like a walking dictionary he's like his own walking dictionary the the things that he can do with with words the english language is pretty phenomenal um same way as we talked about asap rock and his unique words now eminem might not have the sort of vocab that that those rappers have but the man's brain for wordplay and for rhyme schemes and making like so if you if you if you follow like syllables in rap the way he will he will make each syllable match up in rhyme schemes so perfectly so like a rhyme scheme from say like i don't know 10 bars before it it will match up still 10 bars later and just his just his, his whole way with words i don't think when he came along um that when that went a thing in rap and he and he changed he changed the way that he changed the way that you write and he was such a prolific writer songwriter that yeah he changed the game for that and he was he was a bit of a and also the crossover appeal at the end of the day he what it, how many people's homes he was in he got rap into to the mainstream more than anyone at the point. I mean, in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, there was no one on the planet who was bigger than Eminem. So yeah, what he's yeah. done? Yeah, you know, I think like one one of the reasons for that as well, and a lot of people don't talk about that with Eminem, is that he was one of the rappers to not really like use slang. Like he, he do you reckon that's like a big reason for him being successful? Is that when when you hear Eminem rap? You can yeah. pretty much understand like every word because he's just you know yeah again he's not using slang really. Yeah, no, that's another good point. It's like he's relatable, and you know he's not. It doesn't have to mean he's relatable just because you know I'm, I'm white myself or whatever. Like uh, I'm not bringing like the skin, but when you're just looking at the listening to the raps and the actual the the rhyme of all, yeah, it's completely comes from the fact that it's you can. Anyone, whether you're English, you're European, if you're from, doesn't matter what place you're from, what country. Like he's brought, it's multicultural the way Eminem raps because, like you said, it's it, it's not simple in how he how he raps, but you can relate to what he's rapping to because he can make you laugh a lot, he can make you cry, he can make you think about things, and he's another one like like Biggie. You can tell. Biggie was a massive influence on him because just an open book, and he, he's laid his life on the line in the in the raps. But he's done it in a, in a more relatable manner to people, so anyone can listen to um, an Eminem song and and jam out to it. I feel doesn't matter if you're, you know, a teenager or if you're a, don't know, a fifty year old half fella. Like anyone can can relate to Eminem, and that's such a 
it's a hard thing to to come across in the same way you know like pop music anyone could listen to michael jackson and could it's uh, it's it's the same way with eminem anyone can can listen to him and, and enjoy him yeah same same with Chaz and dave as well i get what you're saying um yeah definitely i think that one of the big things about eminem talking there about his, his like his background and how relatable he is is he even though he is white uh, he you know and probably didn't come up with the racism he came up with a different kind of racism in a way but but his background is very similar to to a lot of the other rappers of course he didn't really know his father um he, he grew up in a trailer park he was, he was picked on in school and then eventually when he was trying to become a rapper people would sideline him because of his skin color so you know a different kind of a kind of racism uh and he he yeah, so he's he's got the sad story. He's got the underdog story. Uh, he was no means coming from a privileged background, which is great. And also, I think because he was white, he he did have the need to like prove himself because it yeah. suddenly every because he I mean after him there was other white rappers who came into the uh, the mainstream and uh, and you know Eminem kind of paved the way for for them. Before Eminem, there was like Beastie Boys and. I can't really think of any other geezers, and so he he had like a massive he had something massive to prove, which is probably what made him so great because he had to be he had to be the best to to have a chance. Yeah, and people think it's the opposite way around. Like some people have the mindset that because he's white, that's why he made it so far. And it's like, no, if you think about it, if he's in a if he's in a jam and that's it's it's predominantly black. He's had to work even harder to get to where he's at. Like the Dr. Dre's disgusted the internal racism that he was getting. Like when it, when Dre signed them to Interscope and Aftermath, and there was such so so much internal racism that he'd never never come across before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good point about him, like being um, a, a white rapper. Like if if because it is true. Like he, like not maybe not everyone probably had that racism towards him. Definitely most people, like there definitely was people who did have it. And I can understand why in a way, like say like you want to become a salsa musician, but you spoke like me and you were like, you, you were like proper white and your name was Ian, Ian Williams. And you spoke like this uh, and you, you'd have to play that trumpet. Like you have to play that piano, like no one had ever seen to, to really like make it up there and make people go, Oh no. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what, you know, what your skin color is. Yeah, that's quite an accurate, so an accurate comparison. Definitely, and Eminem, he's he's someone who the the there's been funny rappers in hip hop before and since, but I don't think there's been anyone as funny as Eminem because he didn't try too hard. Like all of it came as genuine comedy from yeah. from his background, you know, talking about you know, Mum, how are you going to breastfeed me? I haven't even yeah, just like like self deprecation and brutal honesty. Oh yeah, he he would like take the piss out of himself. Like there was like no tomorrow. There was no no airs and graces with him. Because you and never he- heard them rap before. Someone tell saying how poor they are, how broke they are. You know, it was the complete opposite of that before. That it was how rich they were, all the materialism, how many you know the girls that they get. It, like no one had come along and was just brutally honest and um, and took the the complete opposite direction. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, and not not to the extent that Eminem have had. I don't think. I mean, people sometimes like you know, he had Juicy, you know, talking about coming from poor backgrounds to to um 
to to becoming famous and like but then once they became famous and once they did become successful loads of their rhymes were about like having loads of money and having the cars eminem never never really did that really i mean, might mention it in an odd bar here or there but when he would when he'd be showing off he'd sort of just be showing off how good he was as an artist as a rapper exactly just his competitive nature um yeah, yeah you're right it's just um, for him for me what what the the main thing that he did and it doesn't matter if you're you know you're white you're black and yellow skin color doesn't matter he got over if we're gonna say a wrestling term he got over and in the, and in this in this regard it's he connected with an audience and he and he built up a massive following a massive audience a worldwide audience from countries all around the world and people of all different backgrounds and and that's the thing he's he's so crossover and he's so international and worldwide and when you connect like that it doesn't matter what you look like and what you should sound like or none of that matters yeah yeah and he he did that by obviously like being the way he rhymes is just he's one of them where after you hear Eminem rhyme, there was like, he says it in his own bars. There's a million other rappers who want to try and sound like me. Because it's true. I think if, if you, like, especially growing up, everyone goes through the stage. And don't tell me you haven't gone through this stage. Everyone goes through the stage where they want to be a rapper and they try it out. <laughs> and I, you, I can confirm I used to write my own rhymes at 10 years old. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm probably still stuck in that stage now. And <laughs> well, it, being a 10 year old. Being a ten-year-old, yeah, and, and writing, writing me own rhymes. Are you, you smarter know? than a ten-year-old should be named to? Are you smarter than a Lewis Sanchez? Well, I don't know if I'm smarter than, than a ten-year-old. <laughs> but put put me in a freestyle battle. I reckon I'll, I'll stand the chance. But I, I uh, with a ten-year-old days. Um, but I, yeah. Oh, when, that's the only thing you're doing with a ten-year-old. Oh, de- definitely, yeah, definitely. I'm. I'm not a paedophile. So, um, yeah, he's one of them where after you hear him, everyone like instantly, either they mean to or not, will try and sound like him because he's one of them where before I'd heard him, I didn't know it was possible to rap like that. It sort of breaks the convention of how you're meant to, to rap. And the way he, he'll rap in a kind of conversational tone that he mastered so well that after after it's been done, anyone who tries to imitate him just does sound like an imitation and whether he was the first person to do it is up for debate obviously we talked about big l had a quite a similar rapping style you could say to eminem but eminem's the, the most famous he's the one to put on a world stage and he sort of trademarked a style that i don't think can be replicated without without people knowing you got it off eminem yeah, hundred percent. Made it so easy to listen to, but by being so complex at the same time, and so many different styles. We'd said he's, he touches comedic. He was one of the pioneers of horrorcore, the, the horrorcore genre of rap. Just um, where they, when we talked about it with Big L, will say anything talks about drug abuse, mental health issues to the to the ninth degree. Uh, you know, he's 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 a lot of rock rap as well, and you can't talk about M without talking about Dre and. You know, um, M wasn't perfect when he first started. You know, it's when he released Infinite, and he said himself he sounded a bit like a Nas ripoff and an AZ ripoff, and you know, tried to kill himself after that album because it flopped so badly. But then he uh, he got then he obviously he came up with the Slim Shady and the, the whole alter ego thing, and it wasn't the first time the alter ego thing had been done in rap. We talk about Wu Tang because they they all had alter egos, but. Without Slim, without him creating this this alter ego Slim Shady, 
he probably wouldn't have had the success he did. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, another thing about him is that, as well as him being like one of the best rappers, he had some of the best music videos as well. His music videos were hilarious. They were like an event in itself watching those. And in the top of that, he was one of the best live performers. And and he also, one of the key things to remember about him is when it comes to diss tracks, no one, no one would beat Eminem. Yeah, I'm glad you've, uh, you brought that up too. And also the, the live thing, I'm happy to say I've seen him live three times. So mm. we're quite lucky there. And, I'll, and you are so right. As a live performer, like people I was standing there with were like, he's deaf or man. I'm like, he's not mine. You know, he is just that good. He doesn't need a hype man on stage or anything. And he's just, his breath control is that when he's doing fast rap tunes and like a rap god. And he's, he can do that up there, word for word. Doesn't need any backing track or anything. It's just, it's so impressive. But the whole, and that's the thing about the how prolific he's been as as a career. A lot of, a lot of what's in the mainstream now, and a lot of the um, sort of younger fans, even younger than ourselves, they do not, they don't respect them because of the, you know, his new content. And okay, I can. It's not for everyone, and it's not the, you know, it's not perfect. He's changed his style up. He's he's certainly not the same rapper he was. He's, he's different and he's older. But you can't look back on his career and not say he's one of the greats because he's, like you said. He's changed the style. He's morphed the style. He's created his own. But he's also had beefs with like everyone, and everyone he gets on a, a track with, he features. He always has the best first. He always kills them. And there's just the, some of the list of people that he's actually beefed with, and killed, and pretty much killed the careers off. You know, we talk about um, Ja Rule being a big one. Him and fit with with Fifty uh, Cannabis is a big one. Even Mariah Carey. The Mariah Carey one was a fun one too. Yeah, he he he. Anyone who wants to come up against Eminem, it's a bad decision because you're gonna get slaughtered. And he's someone who, I mean, came up with a bat in the battle rapping scene. Uh, was accurately depicting, uh, well, not well, oh, yeah, as, as as depicted in the old depicted in the old Eight Mile, which was kind of like semi autobiographical. So yeah. he, you, you could tell like how you know where he came up with this 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 battling style. Um. And, and one thing about the old Eminem, it's good you mentioned about him, like he always has the best verse. He, he'll steal songs. He, if you put Eminem on a feature, he'll absolutely steal it. One of the best examples is on that Buster Rhymes song, Calm Down, where he sent over the track to, to Eminem. And then he wrote, I don't know how many bars it is, but it's like 30 bars or something without without taking a pause and then Buster I think had to rewrite his stuff or make his stuff longer to try and compete with Eminem it's like it's just ridiculous definitely and Renegade as well with Jay-Z uh, he's openly admitted that he, he killed him on his own shit so yeah it's, it's, it says it all I think you can vouch and say Eminem might be the feature king to be honest yeah I, I, I definitely I, I definitely could say that he, um, Someone yeah. that, so he's had a I'm not going to say he's had a perfect discography because he hasn't um, you know he has had some stinkers Encore being one Re- Relapse is actually quite an interesting one because that was his um, after his whole get, you know getting sober well I think he was getting during the, the, t- the time he was getting sober he released Relapse and at the time it got quite a bad it was quite a mixed reception but over time it's actually it's 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 actually gotten a quite an underground cult following because and I, and I and I agree why because 
he became it was um he was like a serial killer on it and that and that's why he was doing all the I'm not gonna say all the accents were great and that they were entertaining but some of them were quite quite funny and he was I've never seen M like he was depicting a character of like a serial killer and there's such like a real like a serial killer vibe to that album which I really enjoy and you've got tunes like 3 a.m. and insane so um yeah it's quite quite an underrated album I feel but yeah he didn't have a perfect discography and I think everyone can admit that. But the, the fact of the matter, the, the three albums, Slim Shady LP, Marshmallows LP, The Eminem Show, it's three major classics back-to-back. So that's another thing that puts them over the edge of a lot of people is you, three albums back-to-back that were just straight classics that put him into the stratosphere. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. He's one of them where even like not being a fan of music, there's certain people that are undeniable where... You just can't avoid hearing them. And even though I wasn't a massive fan of hip-hop growing up, I'd like Eminem songs because you just you just could, you know, there's no way to, to not like them. And yeah. he did something which very few artists have done, is that they pushed the boundaries and did something different while also being at the height of their commercial success. Like Stan, a song about um, a, an obsessive fan who kills his girlfriend, you wouldn't think that would be a massive, like, number one single yeah. You wouldn't think that would be a massive hit around the world. And somehow he's managed to do it. I mean, talking about sticking pins in him and stuff, and, and they're massive hits. Like, yeah. and he's, there's very few artists. Like, I'd have to name, like, like a Lou Reed would be an example of someone who could be edgy and also successful at the same time. And Eminem, he, he puts himself on that, that rare list of geezers. Like Michael Jackson, when he did his stuff that was a bit more edgy, and like that, that was when his career was kind of starting to to drop off. So it's not it's not an easy thing to do. It's it's something that he did that is yeah. is remarkable. It's just a, it's emotional, isn't he? He's just he gets he gets so much emotion out, out of you, and and that's the, that's what separates him. That's what that's what makes him stand out. As much as like you can listen to artists and put on the songs and be like, oh, you know, it's a good song. But the with, with artists like Eminem and like the others you mentioned, there's more layers to it, and it's it could just you engaged emotionally that bit more because they're just you can tell through the music they're putting everything out there, the hearts on the line, um, and it's unreal. I mean, my sort of how I came about an Eminem, I've been listening to him. He's probably the first artist, one of the first artists I ever listened to, to be honest. Well, I mean, I, I tell a lie. I think Five were my very first uh, band that I liked. Do you ever remember the, the boy band Five? Five were quality, yeah. Famously. Straight two bangers. Of... Straight, they, though, they did have some bangers. Keep on moving. It's a banging song. <laughs> um, did yeah. they uh, perform at, uh, at our uni in Yukon? They did. Two of them did. Two members of Five turned up. Um, yeah, I didn't go to that gig, uh, and I, I was gutted about it. And then someone said two members turned up, and I was like, all right, that's... Uh, uh, not not too not too bad. I missed out on that, but they they had some quality tunes. For me, I remember it was S Club Seven. They were the ones that I, I was first into. Nah, five are better. Fuck S Club. I was I was Team Five. Oh, this will be a podcast right here. Who better? <laughs> five the I think that's the greatest thing to ever happen to Preston. Probably, probably. I reckon so. Do not miss the Preston. But, uh, I tell you. But- one, one, like the best person to summarise Preston. If anyone's not seen the Nigel McGuinness documentary, um, I mean, Nigel McGuinness was this 
this this wrestler who at at a moment in time couldn't wrestle because of a well he could wrestle because of an injury but he missed out on his big chance at the big time so did one last like tour of the UK to say goodbye and he's 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 going into all these different towns in the UK saying goodbye having matches anyway he gets the Preston section and it's literally he turned the first thing you see is him on the main road outside of Vogue and he he says right. This is one of the most depressing places I've ever been in my life. It was ridiculous. It was, it was the best way to summarise. <laughs> we need to get that clip somehow. You know, I completely forgot he said that about Preston. But yeah, like perfect summary. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so if you're thinking about going to Preston, just don't. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's a, it's a good place if to live or to work like if you've got to be there it's a nice cheap place to be and it's quiet and, you, and it's quite peaceful there's fuck all to do there's nothing going on there there's the no full-on ghost town it's a full-on ghost town unless P&E get promoted then then it'll be quite interesting but but yeah mm. but yeah so my so after I after my boy band phase after I'm um, five and um, may they rest in pieces so I discovered M through actually a, a mate, and it's an old. Uh, it was an old mate when I was young, when I was in school, in primary school. But his family, he was rough, like he was proper rough, and his family were rough as well. And so much so that his dad, his mum and dad, was split up, and his dad used to have like a weed grass, a weed uh, grass, in in, the, in his loft in the house. So this is the type of kid I was mates with as a young kid, and this is the type of uh, place I, I grew up grew up in. Um, and he actually introduced me to M, and I remember somehow at seven years old were able to access computers like it's weird to think at that age we, we were accessing computers that young but he, um, he stuck on a CD of uh, I think I remember hearing Rock Bottom for the first time and I'm like seven years old and you that's not the most mainstream you know commercial Eminem tune you'd think you'd first listen to is it but no it was Rock Bottom for me and I just remember hearing him just being absolutely mind blown and uh, one of his one of his more deeper tunes I, w- I would say um, but um, don't worry, as a seven-year-old, I, I, I hadn't hit rock bottom just yet. No, I mean it's it's nice as well for Eminem to 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 name a song after a WWE highlight show, which is really really good. Which is a nice a nice little two thousands reference there. And after a, a finishing move too. After a finishing and after a game video was it was it no there wasn't a rock bottom I'm making it up, but there was a Sky Show there was a Sky Show called Rock Bottom not a game but uh, yeah. Mm. I mean, one of his greatest songs there, the old rock bottom. It's just memories, proper nostalgia memories. So, I, and then after that, like we, I, I think I remain friends with this kid just be purely because he had all of Eminem's albums and his his rough his rough dad that used to grow weed used to buy him all the CDs and that. I remember being being in the back of this little shitty. It was almost like it was like a Del Boy Trotter three wheel van. I don't. I think it had four wheels. But it was one of those like construction vans, like tiny white vans, just full of appliances and shit. And I was just scrunched in the back, and he just play like it. I remember when he played Eminem show for the first time all the way through, and and when I heard that album, I was like, okay, I have to get this CD. So I think that was the first Eminem album that I bought was the Eminem show by listening in in the back of the van there. Um, I'm happy to say I don't think I cut myself on any sores or appliances, but I do remember that me ex-friends, he had a pit bull, actually, he had a couple of pit bulls. It did go for me a couple of times, and, and I think that's what started me, me fear of big dogs. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the old the old jog driver. <laughs> I think I'm all right now, but as a kid, I was fucking petrified because of this PTSD from this, uh, this this old meter man and his rough family. But I can't I can't knock him. He got me on Eminem, and he got me on my favorite artist of all time. So Silver Linings and all that. I'm 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 still petrified of dogs. It's one of them where like dogs are useful, you know, they're good as guide dogs and that and you wanna have a dog, fair play, but it's just not for me. Like when when you have a dog in the house and he's barking at you and the dog's and then someone says, Oh, you know, you can't oh don't don't let him know you're afraid because they can smell fear. What kind of a fucking pet is that? What the what the fuck? Who wants to have a pet who will bark <laughs> at you bite you and, and, and you, you meant what, what is this? Like, am I meant to be relaxing or am I meant to be doing some kind of bush tucker trial? What the fuck is going on here? I don't get dogs. Do you, do you have that reaction with all dogs? Pretty much, because all dogs have the potential to kill you. Like a cat, uh, if a cat comes for me, maybe like, you know, a few cats could, they could, they could get, get in the- <laughs> Death by cats. You really? definitely get killed by a few cats. Well, that's the thing. It's like as long as I say that, as long as you're, you're able-bodied and 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 yeah, you can you know, as long as you, if maybe if, if you're not able-bodied, a cat could kill you. But if if, if you've got your, your hands and legs available, and a cat goes for you, you it might get a few good scratches in. Might be a bit of a bit of an old fight, but you could just punch it like you punch a cat in the face, <laughs> and, and 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 you'll be you'll be sorted. A dog comes at you, it's gonna bite you, it's gonna make you bleed. It's not for me. Not for me. We we don't condone animal cruelty here. That's why we're quality. PSA. Oh, unless in self defence, if a cat comes for you, a cat is jumping at you with its claws, then and then you just got to lay it down. You got to smack it in the face. But but don't do it. And you like, I have to lower your voice a bit. I've got a cat at the end of the bed here. Give you a few evils. <laughs> Well, I've got no problem with your cat. Got no problem there. But, no, it's just thing... dogs in it. Just dogs in general. Just you, dogs... you realise, I know it's the whole. Do you believe in the fact that they smell your fear? Do you think it's because you're constantly in a in a case of that you're shitting one, that you're shitting yourself, that they smell that, and therefore they go for you? I'm constantly fearing most things. So yeah, that's very that's true. true. Yeah. But dogs are in fact legal. They illegal. They what? are legal, though. They're legal. Dogs are legal, so it's not a case of, ah, it's illegal. Oh, I get you. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. yeah. So you, sh- you should be all right. Maybe we can take you to some sort of, like, dog training, dog dog fear training. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. Mm. Uh, with with the old Eminem, it's it's mad how we we've we've gone through his career. You know, we've 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 mentioned all the things that are great about him, and we we've spent like around about like twenty minutes, almost half an hour on him, and we still haven't even mentioned D twelve or um you know Bad Meets Evil, um you know or any any of the groups yeah. that you know, Slaughterhouse, of course, the group that he produced and I, I believe he managed. I mean, you know more about that than me. But as well as a solo rapper, he's he's got yeah. you know another career as part of you know part of these groups as well. Yeah, definitely. That's the thing. I think we could do such a uh, like a full on quality series podcast on him. I mean, just so much to cover, isn't it, about his personal life and also on his music. He's just he's one of them. He's con- always in the studio. He's always making new music constantly. So the amount of unreleased shit that he must have, he must have a um, a, a big massive vault. In his in his house there, I'd like to hack into that vault sometime. But yeah, with um with D12 especially, man, just the 
much underrated group as well. I think obviously M's prolific, but some of the other rappers on there, you know, Proof was good rapper and, um, and Swift as well. And yeah, I feel like uh, especially the debut album Devil's Night. I was actually listening to it the other day for again, and I think I got you onto it as well. Then I at uni, and uh, you, you were a big fan as well. Well, it was one of them actually. My mum even she had that on her iPod. It was one of them where when Eminem was massive. D12 were like big at the same time like that Purple Pills song was one mm. of them you just couldn't avoid that song and like, yeah. I know like G Unit they were they were kind of big like when when 50 Cent was big but not on the same level like D12 were they they were up there with with Eminem as well and I think that's quite a rare thing to have a popular solo career and the pop and while still being in a band at the same time it's one of the things that very few people have done like Rod Stewart you could say did it with the faces and his solo stuff, but not to the level that Eminem did. No, and it's uh, it's coming from the fact how much he uh, he pays tribute to his to, to Detroit, and um, he didn't forget where he came from, did he? And the members of D12, obviously, they're all battle rappers from the battle rap scene in Detroit, and he's always paying homage to Detroit, and he's probably one of them, the most famous figureheads to ever to ever come from Detroit. And I know he does a lot of activism for for them there, and and he actually still lives in Detroit to this day, like. He might have moved to Holly, like LA at some point, but I know he, he lives in Detroit now, and he might have even lived there his whole life as well. So, so that's quite quite nice as well. He's always uh, he's always stuck to his roots. Yeah, it's good to it's good to good to hear the old old like that. Yeah, you know, I'd stick to my Scouse roots. Tom would stick to his Keyflay roots. <laughs> you would you would stick to your uh, your Kibrook ancestry. Possibly, possibly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It depends what happens in the future, but I definitely always come back. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you got to remain a Cockney. You can't be losing that accent. You'd be nothing with that accent. You know that. That's true. I don't. I think even if I tried, I couldn't. I couldn't lose it. <laughs> so I mean, anything else really? It's it's so hard to sort of summarise them. But um, I mean, is there anything else you feel like needs needs touching on at all? Or? That's the thing. We we could go for ages on Eminem, but I reckon one day, if you're up for it, I'd love to do a, a series on Eminem because there's no way to do it justice in one like half hour or an hour. I reckon we need to spend some time on him. So for, yeah. for now, I think, I think we've said it all, really. That's yeah, I'm definitely. You know, I mean, you know, I'm always I'm always game for that. But just yeah. the last question, I guess. I mean, you know, for, in terms of his newer music, I mean, are you what what are your thoughts on it? Because I know a lot of people aren't a fan, and it's it's quite split and. You know, he's um, he's, his style has certainly changed a lot. Um, I'd say like the um, that you said of his newer music, Eminem Show Two, pretty decent. Then the one after that, uh, the revival, I didn't even listen just because everyone told me it was bollocks. So I thought I'm not even gonna bother. Yeah. And yeah. the one after that, the uh, Kamikaze, pretty good, pretty good. I was liking yeah. that. Um, the music to be murdered by. I I started listening to it. What I would say, and what I'd love, love, he's he's, so, he's still very good. He's still incredible. His his style has changed, but he's still great. But yeah. I thought, can he, can he get Dre back as a producer or something? Can he get some better beats because he's beats yeah. him? That's that's what the, in my opinion, that's what the issue has came down to. I feel like with Marshall Mathers LP two, that was actually re- re- quite a, a well produced album, but mm. um, 
there was just too much Rick Rubin influence and there was there's a lot of like really out there like rock sampling going down that just didn't work and and that's the thing that's missing from M is he just needs to get go back to like just a simple boom bap beat with like why does like he's got Alchemist as his DJ for fuck's sake and he doesn't use him as as a producer it's like you've got one of the best producers in the game there just get, get him to produce your whole fucking album and he I don't know it is he is for beats of just um I don't know if they've they've gotten worse or what or he's just he's just not he's just more interested in in rhyming and you know doing as many um out there rhyme schemes as possible but that that's what it comes down to for me if he, if he um, lessens the choppy flow a bit and gets a bit of a better production team then it's, and then there's no reason he couldn't be um I don't think he's ever going to top as good as he was because it was a time and place it was it was a whole culture shock. It was him at the age he was at and the the crowd that he was a you know it was the um, it was quite a it was quite punk in a way the the you know who, who we appealed to and he was quite crossover with the, the the new metal scene at the time and and he went on on tour with groups like Corn and he did like the so there was a lot of crossover then so that was more time and place. But um, I still think he's got the potential, I and mean, he's still he's still the same rapper and and in some ways he's come on he's come on as a rapper he's he's matured and. And he's probably can do a lot more impressive things than he could as, as a kid, well, back in the day. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever be. He's sort of broken the... the he What he's done is he's kind of... Um, he's, he's broken... He's raised a level of shock value to a point where it's going to take something mental to top it. Because he came along talking about killing himself, talking about the Columbine shooting. Like, people have been talking, you know, about, you know, shooting and stuff and alluding to violence and stuff and, and, and about violence in hip-hop. But no one had really talked about the shocking shit that Eminem had on 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 his singles as well like on his singles talking about that kind of stuff and and sometimes not even making like really any political point he's just just going out there and saying some outrageous shit and Mm. i I don't think that shock value alone i don't reckon i maybe in 20 years maybe someone will come along and and top it i I don't i think it's one of them where we've we've seen it now so i don't think anything's really going to shock us to that level it's like after star wars it's like it's like one of them where it's like once you have the first big block block uh, uh, big blockbuster, once you've seen that first thing, nothing's ever going to really compare to it. Like it's going to take some way to top it. it, in a way, if that makes sense. No, it does. I don't think you could get away with it now, anyway. In the PC culture, people could mm. no one could ever say anything as out there as Eminem did because the amount of shit that they get, the lawsuits that they're involved in, or just the culture that we live in to this day and um, again Eminem came along at a perfect time you know it was that that late 90s period it was that you know it was the, the car crash the shock TV again he just uh, he came out at the perfect time and, and he'll never be replicated no it's true so have you were uh, just to, I mean I know it's, it's hard but what are you some of your favourite M songs that you'd recommend oh so I'm, I'm gonna gonna go for my fault um, I think that's probably my, my favourite. Um, that one, and uh, I'll put Love Game up there with the, old Ke- with the old Kendrick featuring on it. And I think I'll put those two, and I think I'm going to put on their um, Brain Damage. They're, they'll be my top top three. Sick. You were, uh, yeah, you just took the words out of my mouth with Brain Damage. I mean, some of, the, some of those songs you mentioned there, again, it's just uh, just such, such good storytelling, isn't it? But, but, the ability to tell the story, but also 
it would just make you laugh as well. Brain damage is the epitome of that. Yeah. So, yeah, whew, it's hard. So, from I'm going to go from Marshall Mathers LP, uh, Criminal. Criminal is just a classic. Quality uh, show. Yeah, cra- classic chorus on that one as well. Um, I'm going to go um, from the Eminem show as well. Um, some amazing tunes on there. Probably going to say Soldiers of Tune. I remember when I seen him the third time, he actually played that. So mm. listen to Soldier. Um, it was quite a surprise when he played that. Um, and uh, yeah, just it's so hard to choose. I mean, a song from Relapse as well, which is a shows a man of storytelling best as, as Deja Vu. It's probably the, my favourite song from that album as well. Um, but yeah, you could just 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 I'd just say go and listen to to all of his all of his albums really. To be fair, Marshall Mathers LP two as well. That's probably my favorite. Still my favorite of his his newer albums, I'd say. And there's some uh, some good ones on there. I think um, Rhyme or Reason and Bad Guy from those from, from that album. Rhyme or Reason's a, co- a cool song. Um, the sample really famous uh, takes from a really famous song on that one as well. And bad guy, it's like the sequel to Stan, isn't it? It's um, it's again Emma is a uh, storytelling best. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Yeah. Right, so uh, yeah, we'll go on to number three then, shall we? And uh, another probably long one, long-winded one, but uh, I'm gonna go with Tupac. Oh, oh, oh! He's another one where um, again, we need a whole series to talk about Tupac. One of the most complex. One of the most complex individuals in music, in pop culture, you could say. There's a million different things to say about the geezer. Um, what, why have you got him as, as number three? Well, it's pretty like what, what it's simple, like what you've just said. He, um, what he managed to do in the span of what was it? It was only like five years. Like yeah, it's he was like twenty-five when he died, I think something like that. Yeah, twenty-five when he died. What he managed to accomplish in his life by the age of twenty-five. I'm twenty-five now, and to think what he's done in the same amount of time, I'm I'm a bit appalled. I'm a bit ashamed of myself. Oh yeah, that that is a depressing thought. Whenever I see <laughs> him, like like Alexander Arnold, like or or like here like Naz Ray still mate when he was like eighteen or something. It's like fuck me. It's, it is depressing. Yeah. The reason Pac belongs here is because he's, he's still the only rapper to this day that I compare to. That he's, he, he, You could read a poem and you could read the lyrics to a Tupac song and you could think that a poet wrote it. He's No one's ever come along and has had that sort of his command on English, on like the English language and the way that he wrote and the way that the meanings behind this and the themes behind the songs and just the, the emotion behind it. And um, the, yeah, he come across as like he was a poet, and he and he probably could, and he probably would have. Would he would have lived? He would have written his own books. He would have been an author in himself. So, Tupac is just a, he's a one of a kind because he's um, it's poetry when he speaks, it's poetry when he rhymes. But then you've got that side of it is, is lyricism, incredible lyricism, is poetry. But he's also got a, a, a incredible flow. It's like um, I've heard this a few times, but. Apparently he raps like from his diaphragm, like from the stomach, and like he will give everything, he'll put everything into his to his rapping, and it's like he's gasping for breath at the end, of it, and when he's done on a song, you, he'll then take the final breath. It's like when he raps, it's like one long breath, and then after he'll 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 start breathing properly again. So he had everything, he had all the technical aspects down, and also had all the um, the writing aspect and the emotional side of it down. 
Yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, interesting point then because no one raps like Tupac. I've, I've talked about it before how when Tupac rhymes, he 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 does this unique thing where every every rhyme that he will do sounds like it sounds like he feels if if he dies if he dies today if he dies after he records this verse. I want to be remembered by this verse. He feels like all the time he's rhyming with his life on the line, which is a weird thing to say. But if you listen to him, he, there's, there's never, even when he's doing his chilled out rhymes, like I get around, he's never half assing it. He's going for it like the, the whole time. He, and, and we know that obviously he came up from a poor background. His life was riddled with, riddled with all kinds of problems from all areas. So, I mean, that's probably not, there probably some, might even be some truth into that where he was fearing for his life. I know he, he did predict his, his demise, um, that he, he you know would have a young demise, and sadly that would happen. So that, that could also contribute to it. Hmm. He, and I think, phenomenal- yeah, it's a good point. It's like he, the, the paranoia, that because he was such a paranoid person, and I think you felt that in his music. He was probably every song was he was treating it like his last, and because of the paranoia that he felt. Yeah. yeah, and 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 talking about his paranoia, he was the. I mean, you talk about Eminem being one of the best geezers for a diss song. If there ever had to be an equal to him, or even you could say someone possibly even better than Eminem, then it would be Tupac because he's he was fueled by his paranoia and on songs like um, Against All Odds and especially like Hit 'Em Up. He 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 wouldn't be taking on just one geezer. He wouldn't just be a diss song against one geezer. He would diss everybody he he would they probably <laughs> he, would dish, he would even dish your nan he dish my nan they'd, they'd probably be rappers right like mob deep and de la soul and what have you who were just sitting at home and then they'd just be this oh, i put it on a new tupac album and then and then it comes on oh, what, what did i do what did i do <laughs> like, you, you just go after absolutely it's- everyone we do kind of play a game of um and he and they did beef with Tupac. I mean, if you listen to our tribe podcast, we've even mentioned our Q-tip. Fucking Q-tip. He had a beef with Tupac. Like if you hadn't had a beef with Tupac in the nineties, then you hadn't made it. It is very much true. It's like everyone, even geezers who he's he's mates with. Like you, you look at his album here, right? You, you like oh Snoop Dogg, he was mates with him. He's beefed with him. Doctor Dre, oh he was mates with him. He's beefed with him. He's beefed with everyone. Absolutely everybody. It was <laughs> it was a sign of like it was a sign that you've made it that mm. that that if he would beef with you. Yeah. Why do you think he was like that? Do, do you think? I don't know if he planned it, but because it did make rap more interesting, like that—that's the thing. At the end of the day, why Tupac's here and why he's so beloved? Yeah, there was never a more interesting figure in 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 rap ever. There was never someone as complex. There was never someone with the way the way with words. There was never someone as charismatic. And the, the, them on interviews, the fact he was an actor, there's there's never gonna be someone as um as multi talented as Tupac. But do you think he? Do you think he he, he realised beefs made the rap game interesting? I think there was a bit of that. There's been stories. Um, I think it was Biggie's mum has said that, like, once that you know after their beef had happened, there was like a fight where Biggie and Tupac were both there, and among the fight they added like a quiet word, and and to, and and Biggie said to him, "Oh, yeah, why are you doing this?" And Tupac said, "You know, I was just making money." And so apparently. Mm-hmm. 
they could it could have been engineered you know a bit on Tupac's end I, I don't know how much of that you want to believe there's no reason not to believe her but then again it's just it's just where it's depends whose side of the story you take so that could be true could be true but i reckon the reason why he was so paranoid and why i mean he called one of his albums me against the world the reason why he had that you know me me against the world mentality was because he had like 10 convictions uh, the people who were closest to him um i think were part of the main reason we went went down for that rape trial uh, he'd been shot before he'd been yeah. Obviously, you know, living in the 90s, um, even today, uh, and, and being an African-American, you've got massive discrimination. So that alone would make you paranoid. Then you, you're coming from, you don't really have um, a father figure um, to, to, to guide you in these ways. Uh, yeah. Your mother Black Panther, so she would know discriminate. And she was locked, I think she was like locked up when she had Tupac or something like that. Yeah. So. He he would know from his mum as well how how badly you'd be discriminated against if you tried to speak up against authority. So I'd be paranoid as shit if, if I was if I was Tupac. I, I can completely understand it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Every everything, every outcome he's had, he's been sh- he's had shootings, he's had rape, he's had rape charges, he's had he's had the law come up dare poor from poverty, but. Yeah, he must have got his attitude on life from his mum, as you mentioned, his mum being a Black Panther. So, yeah, I think um, I don't think without her being the Black Panther as well, he would have, because a lot of the like he was such a massive reader, and he was, and he, it, it's no secret that like he just he, when he was in prison, especially the all he doing was was reading and writing, and he was he was such a um, he was intellectual, he was highly intellectual, and when he wanted to be on a song, um, he let he let that intellect show. He talks about like um, you know, a lot of um social issues, a lot of um, a lot of poverty issues, and the, the class divide, and and he was so well read up on that, and I think when he was in prison, he um, I think he met like a like a preacher, like um, sort of like a Malcolm X type of figure, and he took him under his wing, didn't he? And I think that's when he come out of prison, and then he was like he ad- adopted the thug life persona, um, but just yeah, I've never seen anyone that had like two sides two two such polar opposite sides to him that that made it work and that he could be so like on one song be completely different to the person on the next song yeah he he you know he talks about his you know his dissing and and um you said it perfectly there how we've talked about before like you know he's dissing there he's um how he would just savagely attack everyone and then it would be yeah, he would be a complete opposite rapper on when talking about conscious issues like brenda's got a baby dear mama uh, hold your head up he would make these beautiful songs that would make you cry and then like you, you leave the cd running and then he'd be like right i'm gonna kill everyone oh what the fuck like he, <laughs> he would go he would literally he could do it all he could make the chill out song like the, the the nice you know song that you put on and on the beach you know you, you know like um live and die in la you know he could he could make the he could make the, the bravado the the nice summertime jingle you know the um you know the, the the smash hit like um uh california um california love um he could do the dissing you know he could do he could do the emotional songs could do the political yeah, songs. I think that's what you need as an artist as well that's like you need that variation. That's what that's what puts them over the edge. Yeah, he, he could. He, he's, yeah, that, he's that's got... what I want here. I want to be taken on, on a journey. 
yeah definitely he he takes you on a journey and he he does song talk again mention about how he'll stick to a theme on on some of his songs some of the songs he'll, he'll talk about loads of different stuff but songs like dear mama like you know what that song's about it's about you know a tribute to his mum and he'll do it so well that i don't i can't recall a song afterwards like i can't remember any other rappers really like doing a whole song about their mothers because no one's going to do it as good as tupac is he'll, he'll take a topic and then he'll just master it to the point where you can't you can't really do it again Exactly. Just um, yeah. You've never there's never been anyone that could um, be on that elicit that emotion on that emotional level. Like he hit, he really, he really hit you. Like he really hit you on that emotional level with some of those songs. And it's like you still listen to them to this day, and they stand the test of time. I don't think Tupac and it will ever ever sound outdated. He will he will always he'll he'll and he still doesn't to this day in my opinion. He's just so, still so prolific as he, as he was back then and. And even more so, I mean, you talk about someone that became, his legacy increased and evolved even more so with, with his death. I mean, do, do you feel that's the case? Yeah, no no doubt. I'm not saying, I'd never say that, like, dying was a positive thing. Obviously not. But he is, <laughs> is, is, is obviously it's a bit gutting, isn't it? If you, you, are, you, get... you are, if, you, if you're Jimmy Savile. <laughs> yeah that's, yeah but but like obviously for um yeah I'm, I'm not saying that tupac you know obviously he could he could have done without getting murdered you know that would have been better for him if he didn't get shot but it, it definitely increased his legacy They're not you know it's, it's open for debate would he be as big as well loved if he didn't die that's something you could label at loads of different musicians uh, i would say yes i believe you would be um but the legend and the story definitely it, it contributed to the image we have of Tupac. Um, yeah, because he's like a transcendental figure in a way, and he's such like a a holy figure. It's, it's like he might not be the same without that. But do you have a um, a past of with Tupac? I mean, did you grow up listening to him? Because for myself, I grew up listening to Tupac. So Tupac's greatest hits was one of the first another CDs I bought. So I had my little plastic wallets as a kid. Do you remember the little plastic wallets and and yeah. it, it was just full of because uh, all you bought as a kid was like the greatest hits usually. Man. And I remember Tupac greatest hits was constantly in my rotation and like just I've learned so much more about like big big picture things and themes in life than anything I learned in school really when it comes to like you know emotional and relationships and anything like that. Listening to Tupac. He's the ta- rapper that's taught me the most, and he's the rapper that's probably taught taught everyone the most. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I, I didn't have um, so again. Like, I've talked about it before how when I got into t- to hip hop, really, like like when I properly got into it, it was Public Enemy, then then Jay Z, and then I'd say then after that, like that sort of opened. It was by listening to Big. I found out about the Tupac beef, and that's when I started listening to Tupac. And when I came to uni, actually, and uh, is when I like, got a proper appreciation for for like his whole catalogue, not just like the more well known ones. Um, he 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 was one of them where not just like he he would be such a generous rapper in a way that he'd be so prolific. He 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 would you know be, he's probably got the best work rate in music. He'd he like have a point. He'd be doing like three songs a day, and he he bring he he's responsible for for making big names for so many other rappers as well he he he, he spread the wealth and and he, he if that someone wanted him on his song he'd go and help him out 
And so for that reason as well, not just his own career, he, he built up so many other people's careers as well. Yeah, I mean, Dre's solo career might not have been successful without Tupac, and a lot of the success that people had, a lot of it's down to, to Tupac, and it's like the, the the figure that he was in hip hop, such an such an important figure, and not just in, in, in acting as well. He was just a, he was like a multi talented person. He was an actor, he was a rapper, he was a writer, and you know, he probably he probably could have done like poetry and like spoken word poetry and. There's, there's those people, isn't it, in your lifetimes? So there's a fair few where they're not just talented at the one in the one field. They're talented in like all the fields that they do, and, and Tupac was one of those. Yeah, of course he was. You know, as well as being like a, um, as well as being a, uh, a famous, you know, an incredible rapper. He talks about the acting there as well. I mean, I imagine if he was alive today, he'd probably have his own podcast. He'd be, he'd be, uh... <laughs> he'd be on this podcast with us. What are you talking about? I hope so. I hope he would do. Um, yeah, I mean, what imagine that? Like, like Tupac just he completely like changed his uh, his character and he became this like like preacher man who had this like preaching podcast and he was just like a completely different person. I could see it. I could definitely see it. Yeah, you think he'd go through a uh, a midlife change? I mean, possibly. It's hard to really know with 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 Tupac what would have happened. What did, who did you prefer? Did you did you have a preference? Did you prefer like your more emotional, thoughtful pack, or was your into more thug thug style pack, or your chilled out one, or what was your favourite sort of mood? See, that's the the best thing about Tupac is he had different songs for different moods. So it depends on what yeah. the day was like. Like a day like today, where it's nice and sunny out. Uh, if I was to, to 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 obey the government guidelines and go for my my one piece <laughs> exercise, which obviously I am. I mean, I don't even leave the house most of the time anyway. But if I was to go out to to a park and 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 sit two, two meters away from everyone, the songs I'd want to be listening to would be like "To Be To Live and Die in L.A." It would be all about you. It would I be how, yeah, get I get around. How do you want it? It would be those those you know upbeat songs. If I'm pissed off, if like I've had a really bad day, let's say like um. I don't know. It's raining. I, I'd I'd want to put on some. Uh, I want to put on some. Hit them up. Or or if I want to run, Tupac is great running music. Put on it. If I die tonight and go on a run, or if if I want to be have yeah, it's inspirational music, right? To, to run to it, like yeah. So if I die tonight, or me against the world, against all odds, only only God can judge me now. That would be the kind of music I'd want in that mood. And then if I want like you're chilled out you know i've had usually uh, it's after you've had a few beers and you're feeling a bit reflective you know you're feeling so maybe you're in a bath or or maybe you're at a festival and the sun's going down put on dear mama put in put on keep your head up you know he, he's got music for every kind of emotion um which i'm going to be honest i don't think any other rapper really has i'd even put tribe in there i don't even think they have that kind of catalog like i bet right if I'm annoyed at FIFA and it's glitching, I, I'm going to go on to one of Tupac's posthumous albums and there'll be like a song called, um, you know, um, Don't Mess With FIFA, Geezer. Like, I bet you'll have a song for that occasion. He's, he's that mental. A FIFA soundtrack solely dedicated to Tupac. I'd like to hear that. Tupac would be doing the FIFA soundtracks if he was still here. That would be incredible. Tupac on a football song. Uh, obviously, he done, you know, it's Mike, Mike Tyson walkout music. And that's probably some of the most epic walkout music mm. we're ever going to hear. Uh, Stormzy rapping to, to Anthony Joshua doesn't fucking come close. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Let's let's not make the comparison of Stormzy and Tupac here. But that's another <laughs> thing with Tupac as well, being the, the cultural icon that he was. He he crossed over into a he was a big big in sports as well, so a lot of his music's used in for sports because it's got that aggression for us for it as well. And yeah, I mentioned that he's an actor as well. And like, yeah, I, I could see him like maybe eventually. I don't know what his singing voice was like, but he you could see him doing like neo soul shit and everything, couldn't you? Like like we said, like he could do. I reckon he was just so he could be so genre bending. And I think that's what he would have done eventually. I don't think he would have stick stuck necessarily straight to hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll never know. I mean, we've got all the posthumous albums, um, and you know they don't compare to the stuff that he, he was they released while he was alive. But there was yeah. still some great songs on there. There was still like "Do for Love" is a posthumous song, which is one of his best songs. So he still did have some great hits. Great uh, video we, as well. Amazing video. And but who who knows what they would have sounded like if if Tupac was alive and had his say on them? Who knows what he would have um what he would have produced really uh it's just just a shame just a shame yeah imagine a tupac and kendrick collab that would we be... all know kendrick is a tupac probably kendrick's biggest influence as you can hear on mortal man on the the end songs between butterfly it's just a conversation between them so you can see like this he's he's had like we mentioned with eminem as well such such big influence on the west coast i mean as far as i'm concerned tupac he is the west coast yeah, I mean, he, he'd probably do a song with Kendrick and then he'd have a beef with him afterwards. <laughs> it'd be ridiculous. And then, he'd, and then he'd hug it out on stage. And they'd, they'd hung it out on stage and they'd all be all be great again. They'd have a couple of Louis, Louis Weisers. Yeah, I, I reckon if Tupac was alive today, him and Conor McGregor would have the biggest verbal beef oh of all time. Imagine Conor McGregor being like Tupac rapping while Conor McGregor's walking out to the octagon. Imagine how amazing that would be. He's from that same ilk though, Tupac. He's like Conor, you know, the the, the rare sort of figures and like so he's like a he's like a sport figure as well, like a Muhammad Ali or like a like a McGregor, Tupac. They're all the same and that that you could listen to them talk for fucking hours for twenty four hours on an interview and you wouldn't be bored. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And rap's never had that figure before, ever, and I, and I don't think... I mean, I, I, I'd be surprised if it ever did again. Yeah, is that they've got... Rap's had, like, a lot of people, like... Like, like your Q-tip, I've talked about how he's great in interviews. He's great in interviews in the way that Paul McCartney was, where he's very friendly, he's very nice, he's very funny, and you come away from him, like, you come away from those interviews going, you know, being entertained and being like, oh, what a nice guy. Tupac is like a John Lennon, where he'll he'll go into like, his personal life, he'll he'll teach you something, he'll be very outspoken, and he won't he won't give a sh- like you you'll listen to him and there's no like pretense there. There's like he, he doesn't give a fuck what he's saying. He's not trying to be anything for any, he's not trying to put on any kind of air or yeah. grace there. He's he's just saying what he thinks. Exactly, and uh, <laughs> imagine him on talk shows these these days. It'd be hilarious. I know he, he he went on Arsenio Hall stoned once. That's a good YouTube rabbit hole to go down if you're interested. Just go just go through two pack interviews and you'll be entertained. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, so what's your uh, what's your favorite album of two packs? Do you think? Um, so I've got I've got to, I've got to say he's he's frame, his best album in my opinion is All Eyes on Me. Um, not just because. But yeah, I mean, not not just because of the, the volume of it, 
because of course it started being a double album just uh he goes through the whole breadth of emotions um on on this album he can make you cry over stuff like life goes on he'll have you all amped up with like ambitions of the rider he'll have you got your chill out summer vibes with all about you and and that's just the first fucking side of the album like and, and he worked with the best of the best he'd work with the best current rappers um like you you, you know your dr dre out there uh nate Do- uh, snoop dogg um uh, I mean, nate dogg's more of a singer but you know nate dogg um mm. and he'd pay tribute to the people he'd work with the the tribute the on that album he'd work with the greats of of uh, previous generations like george clinton uh, roger troutman so that one for me what about yourself yeah i probably agree and with regards to that album as well it's the only double-sided rap album that that i can listen to all the way through and, and be entertained for that because it's it's hard in rap you can only listen to so for me the cut-off point yeah the perfect usually the perfect song amounts for rap and and generally most albums is around like the 15 16 song mark i think and you, you got a lot of rap music these days where they're just they're just lumping 25 songs on there to get as many as many streams as possible but with this album, it's about what is it like twenty? Uh, it's like nearly thirty songs long. But um, it yeah, it, it's it every song is sick, is sick, and you can listen to it all the way through without getting bored and and being entertained throughout, and it can hit on all the emotional levels. So this is probably his best album. But don't sleep on me against the world as well, because that has got if I die tonight on dear mama, temptation, so many tears. That's not quite as prolific, and it hasn't got as many bangers as um, as All Eyes on Me, and hasn't got the production of, of Dre on there or anything. But it's got some of his his, mo- his most introspective songs on as well. Yeah, that is um, that that is great. And uh, what I can say is that he's also never had a song with R. Kelly. Uh, he Man, did work for that. Thank fuck for it. Apparently. Um, R. Kelly uh, planned Best of Both Worlds collaboration with Tupac before Jay-Z, but that's R. Kelly's planning. I don't know if Tupac would have been down for that. So <laughs> I hope he wouldn't. I hope he wouldn't approve. I mean, what about a beef? Did R. Kelly and Tupac have a beef? They didn't, actually. I'm, I'm just reading now, actually. Apparently, this is according to R. Kelly. So, you know, again, just coming from R. Kelly, an MTV News article here. Uh, apparently, in 96, they actually met in front of a, ho- a hotel um, and they did plan a collaborative album. So, yeah, apparently Tupac was in on it and they, they was going to uh, have an album there. So, uh, yeah. Oh, well, it didn't happen. So that's that's good. So we can move on to number two then. Yeah. And at I'll, number two. I recommend the songs as well. Yeah, sure. Go go for it. What are some of your favourites? Um, so I'm just going to have to. I mentioned most of them, you know, most of my favourites uh, already just there. But I'd say to, to summarise, I'd, I'd, I'd put in there, I'd put in Dear Mama, and um, I'm going to put in uh, Against All Odds probably. What about yourself? I actually, uh, from the first album, I think it was his very first single, uh, was Trapped. That is, that's mm. a tune. Um, that's a tune. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically summarising Tupac as the the symbol of against the resistance of equality, equality inequality, of blacks and the, the police brutality and the um, the whole class divide. So that's a, that's a good one. Um, and then 
Only God Can Judge Me is one of my favourite Tupac tunes as well. Just um, he's incredible on it. He's just um, oh, he's he's just he's just amazing throughout. He's um, it's again the, the style that I mentioned before where he's like he's gasping through breath and it sounds like he's in the middle of like a boxing fight on that tune. It's class and the the, the beat as well. The production is one of his best produced tunes as well. I think. Yeah, and we, we've of course got a mention. Uh, we got a mention on there, um, all about you, which was just just basically the the tune for for us of of, of uh, summer twenty sixteen. It takes you back to a moment in time. That song, not the most politically correct song, but a banger nonetheless. Banging, and he's banging on there, and it's a tune if you want to get your bang on, and it's it's all it's all banging. It's banging with puns, with all the puns, with all the puns needed, and all the puns that are meant. Yeah, it's, it's one of them. If you're going to get down to that song, like um, like the, the female, like the the, the, the the geezer, the female geezer you're with, may may when you go to, I see the same hoes. She may mm-hmm. go, hold on, what you say there. She goes, no, don't don't worry about it. Like may, maybe like cut that bit out of the song. Um, or as we always say, replace it. I see the same geese. Exactly. You just got to sing over two pack. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Bro, yeah, that's uh, that's probably Tupac's best party tune, I would say. Definitely, and he has a lot, as as we've mentioned, you song for every occasion. There, there's a lot to uh, a lot to choose from. Right, so at number two, I've got the one and only Naz, Nasty Naz, Naz Escobar. Oh, the old Naz, that is a good yeah. shout, number two, geezer. Yeah, it is, and. Uh, We've, uh, we're both big fans of Naz. Um, so just talk about, I mean, your sort of fandom has had it come about. Did you get into him straight off the bat, you know, when you first got into hip-hop? Or? Yeah, it was. It was. I've probably talked about it before, that gig, the um, the Wireless Festival gig, where um, like Naz was on the bill. And that was on where Tribe was on it, Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake and all them geezers were on it. I'd never really heard of Naz. And then... I thought, oh, if he's going to be on, I should listen to some of these tunes. And I was just blown away. I was just like, whoa, he is, is fucking insane. Then I saw him live and I was just even more blown away. Yeah, we've actually uh, managed to see him live together, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I remember we saw him at a Leeds Festival and it was one of them where Red Hot Chili Peppers were on the main stage and I'd already seen Naz before, so I was like, I'd, I'd quite like to see the, the start of Red Hot Chili Peppers because they're sort of overlapping. But Naz was just so good. We were just like, oh, fuck it, we might as well just stay here. Because it was just banger after banger. Yeah, I remember that. I think we were leaving as one mic was playing and I was devastated. I was like, I mean, I think we were just standing by like the outside screen and watching it from there because we had quite a front view then we at the start and then to be a move, we made a move to see Red Hot Chili Peppers. But kind of wish we would have stayed for all of it now. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's one of them where um, Red Hot Chili Peppers were a bit shit. That was a... Disco- Honestly, that's definitely up there with the most just disappointing gigs in my life. What do you reckon? It's one of the most disappointing ends to a festival. That that was a bollocks last night. That that was um and and yeah, it was just like it was one. Was that was that? I think that was the last night. Yeah, it was just just cold and we would we couldn't we could barely see the screen. Mm. And that, yeah, and I, I don't know. I think did you did you end up in the welfare tent? I did not. No, I didn't even. I I drank my limit that time. Like I, I think by the point where it was like, um, I don't know what time was it. It was like 
Well, basically, by, by the end of the evening, I realised I couldn't drink anymore. And so I basically, I think I had to dump like 10 beers. Yeah, that's another thing. Wasted 10 beers as well. Jesus, that's like blasphemy to you, isn't it? It is. The, the it holy is. water, the holy Luis Sanchez water, pouring that down the drain. 10 Carlsbergs as well. I mean, that's the proper good stuff. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, to be fair, probably belonged. Yeah, getting, getting wasted, didn't it? It was, oh, I was, I was, I was, sadly, I wasn't the one getting wasted. It was... Uh, the only, the one and only time. The one and only time, yes. But, yeah, but, but, but Naz, though, he was good. He was a good part of the evening. He, um, you know, he was quality, quality, quality geezer. Of course, probably recorded one of the best albums of all time. And I say that of any genre, um, yeah. and especially hip hop, when he was 18 years old. Yeah, just insanity, isn't it? When you talk about the greatest rap album of all time, you, you, it's got to be Illmatic now, at least solo album. Now, a group albums is quite hard. You know, you've got into the 36 Chambers and you've got a, any, you know, a low-end theory. In the, but when it comes to solo rap album, I don't think it gets any better than Illmatic. It's just a, a straight classic and it's a timeless classic as well. It, it never, it'll never sound dated. And that's the thing with Nas as well. He's... Um, He's etched his own style and he's perfected the, the storytelling style of rap. And I don't think there's ever been a more poignant storyteller than Nas. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, especially, you know, you get to tracks like uh, One Love, um, uh, What's That Woke Up This Morning, Got Yourself a Gun. Um, oh, no, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Get Down. Get Down's another great storytelling one. I mean, he's got so many. Uh, and he... He's got, like, that album, Illmatic, is one of them where pretty much, like, all of the songs are quality. And he came back, I believe, over 20 years later um, to do the uh, Illmatic live at the Kennedy Centre. And he performed it with an orchestra. And he somehow made the album even better. Like, he somehow topped it, which is just insane. Yeah, you actually prefer that to the original. Then it was... Was it the 25th anniversary, was it? Something like that, yeah. And, and yeah, I definitely do prefer it to the original. It makes the original album's great, you know, it's it's good. But Live at the Kennedy Center makes my top five albums of any genre. Just the, yeah. the, the horns when they come in, just the whole orchestra when it comes in for like The World Is Yours or Life's a Bitch or, or you know, or for, for Ain't Hard to Tell, just or any of the songs really. Just the orchestration just adds something completely different to it um, I think when you are an insane lyricist in rap um, having the combination of the orchestra like we've seen it with Jizzer on the NPR Tiny Desk we talked about that earlier as well but yeah it's such an amazing blend that you just and it just works so well and I do have I think you actually you got me on the, the live orchestra album didn't you I just remember when you played it in ours that time and I was just like completely blown away my jaw was my jaw was dropping, and it wasn't for it wasn't because of other things. It was purely because of the music. Exactly, it was purely for uh, for musical reasons. He, it's one of them. Where I'm surprised actually, not everyone's heard it because there's been quite a lot of people. I remember I was at this festival, and um, and that night I was quite wasted actually. And uh, you know, I was, I was back on it again. Back to your normal roots then. 
back to normal routine, you know, getting on it. And um, I was getting the old Carlsberg down me, and I was talking to this geezer who's a massive, like, Naz fan, massive hip-hop fan, and he hadn't heard of it at all. And, like, quite a few geezers, none of them had heard of it. And I, I would just remember going around on my phone playing it to them, and my phone's got shit speakers, so they, they couldn't really hear it. But they pretended they could hear it, and they nodded along to make me feel better, which was nice. But what a great album. Yeah, fantastic. But it, it doesn't just stop there as well, which is um, a lot of people think with Nas, he made Matic, that was the classic that it was, and, and that was it. But they, they couldn't, couldn't be further from the truth. He's He's got a really insane back catalogue. But what the thing when he stands out the most is is the, the, the storytelling and his narration. I don't think there's been a better narrator in rap than, than Nas ever. And just examples off the top of your head, you have um, the song where he raps in the in the form of a gun. I gave you power. Um, he's rapped in the voice of a woman on Sekio story. Um, he's covered the the topic of autobiographies and do ranks, um, and he's done the song Rewind as well, where it's it's him doing the song in backwards, and it's it's just such creative and, and clever stuff and just na- clever narratives like that which um, I don't think any rapper has ever had the balls to tackle yeah and he's he does something where he can make you so hyped up he's got a similar thing to Tupac actually um, where he, he has almost a song for like every occasion where he's got all your, your hype up songs as well um, he's got your storytelling songs then he's got his really personal like emotional songs like Daughters um, any most of the music from from God's Son, uh, where he he'll proper like go into his his personal life and his emotions, and he'll he'll go even as far as having his old man play play on the song um, "Life's a Bitch," and he done another song with him as well. He'll he'll proper go into his own personal life, his own family life, and leave it all out there for you. And when you listen to him, you feel like you you really know his backstory and you know his personal. Yeah, that overtune was uh, his dad was Olu Dara, wasn't he? He was the jazz musician, quite a famous jazz musician, and he was mm-hmm. on that tune, bridging the gap as well. That's one of my favourite nice tunes. When we get to the end of it and we have our nice recommendation tunes, it's going to be fucking difficult. But yeah, it, so it's, so insane lyricist, one of the most um, gifted lyricists that there's ever been. That's no question. The way he's just um, he put Queensbridge on the map in in him, and he told the story, and it wasn't a case of glorifying the um, the struggles that he was coming through. I think he was the first one to sort of self-deprecate on on what he was what he was going through and witnessing, and and there was such a real like community feel to Illmatic, like like it wasn't just Naz, he wasn't just rapping for Naz, he, he was rapping for for Queensbridge and for the whole of the East Coast, and f- for me. Naz, no question, he's the king of the king of New York, king of king of the East Coast. And that that is like a very that's a big compliment because there's a lot of great rappers have have come from from New York and Queensbridge specifically, of course. Talking about Mob Deep there, talking about Tribe there, talking yeah. you know, there's lo- loads that have come from that 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 area. Yeah. Exactly, and just also not just the lyrics with Naz, his flow. He's got a really sort of intricate flow, and it's um it's almost like so when he would go on to evolve and do his like his mafioso style, it's a bit like sort of Mob Deep and Wu Tang in a way. It's like his voice and like his style. He fits the the mold of like a gangster rapper. He sounds like he's like a, a mob boss in a way with the way that he that he talks and like 
And he's also, um, he's quite softly spoken as well. If you hear him in interviews as well. So he's got, um, he's, he's similar to Q-Tip as well. And we see him and Q-Tip are good, good friends. And he's, um, Q-Tip's produced for him. But he's got that sort of smooth flow and that sort of softly spoken flow. But with the lyrics that just hit you over the head, you, you know that he's, um, there's like an, an aggressive nature to what he's saying as well. There's a lot of backstory and a lot of history and there's just so much, so much meaning to, to Naz's songs and his, and his lyrics. Yeah. And he, um, yeah, that is, that is, yeah, definitely true. And what's something about him when he, when he raps is that he talks before about breath control. Um, like with Naz, if you listen to any of these records, you know, it's like the thing you said before about good breath control, where you rap the best rappers, they know exactly when to take a pause, when to take a breathe, a, a breath. And when I started like first, right, really like seriously listening to hip hop, I started listening to rappers and trying to like, I could, I could sort of, if you listen intently, you can tell where they breathe in. When you listen to a Nas record, you can't tell. It's like the geezer doesn't breathe. I don't know how he does it. It is ridiculous. Yeah. And it explains how he's so good live as well, because when he's live, he'll just go from one song to the next song to the next song. And he, he does interact with the crowd as well, but it's one of them. If he wanted to rap for an hour, I bet he could do it just straight for an hour. Yeah, it's just effortless, isn't it? You know, it's just this is what he was born to do and, and how he how he flows on a beat is so effortless and He's had some of the greatest production uh, credits of all time as well, and the people that have produced for him on Illmatic, he had. He that was probably the first album to ever hit, where it was just a culmination of all the best producers in rap at the moment, and each song had a different incredible producer to the next. So you know, DJ Premier on there, you had Q-Tip on there, you had Large Professor on there. You just had just a culmination of of all the greats. And then that's another thing when Nas is uh, similar to like a Jay-Z as well, isn't he? He's had just some of the best beats selection of all time. Yeah, I mean, he, he the beats that he picks, he's got your great hype-up ones, like, you know, Major Look, which will make you just, like, make you break out into mosh pits. But he's so good at picking beats that will make you cry, like Cherry Wine um, is one example. Um, I believe the one at the end of The Lost Tapes too. I'm for blanking on the name of it right now, but that beat was insane. Um, and, of course, probably the song that makes could make anybody cry is, is Fugs Mansion. Yeah, with the the the, the Nas version, the Nas version, yeah. Uh, off, I think off the Godson album. I mean, he his whole verse, he, the, his whole. I think um, I can't. I think he's got a few verses on that, but he basically his whole part of that song and yeah. the beat and everything is just unbelievable. It does make you emotional. It's crazy. It's a thing as well. And so I just, just I I compare. As and Tupac so similar, and you can compare to each other. So, like, like I said before, Tupac is the king of the West Coast for all the reasons we've mentioned. The, you know, the the uh, the themes and and the meaning. And then you've got Nas, who's so so similar to Tupac. Yeah, he beefed with him, had a massive beef with him. Um, the day Tupac died, he actually um, he because I think they, they patched things up, didn't they? And when he died, he did pay tribute to him. At, um, at one of his gigs because he was he was performing a gig when Tupac died, and then just to see like a posthumous um, song with with Tupac on um, on that album is sort of full circle in a way. But these are literally the the two the two greats at the same time. Yeah, I think it's one of them hip hop where it seems like it's a bit like um, it seems a bit like like MMA where people will trash talk each other, 
but yeah. under the proviso that like it, it is like it's, it's sport it is like um you know there, there is no hard feelings bet- between between you um i think that's the general understanding i don't know to be honest i'm not in the hip-hop <laughs> maybe not like many rappers have been shot over beefs so like, probably not. <laughs> yeah but many we talk about yeah, I, I don't think any Conor McGregor is gonna come in the octagon with a with a machine gun anytime soon. No, yeah, but I mean, me, me, no, I know, but like many rappers have have <laughs> like, uh, have passed away because of because of beefs and 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 what have you. So it's probably there is probably some um, some some you know they probably do mean it a little bit when they're beefing with each other. But I think between rappers there is probably a common understanding that like taking shots at each other is going to help sell records. So I think when he did pass, like, I think, yeah, I can understand why. Maybe even if they didn't patch it up, there was probably an understanding there between them. Yeah, that's it. That was the the room that he did patch it up. And same with Jay-Z. I mean, we talk a lot of the top echelon rappers we talked about here. They've all had major beefs and it's, and it's, it's the competitive nature that edges them out and makes them top tier because they've had these competitive beefs and, and Naz has fought into that category as well. He's had, you know, MJZ is probably the most known, except for probably Tupac and Biggie. It's probably the second most known rap beef of all time. And the pegs the question, um, and I know my answer, but who do you think won that beef? Well, also just to mention, Tupac did beef with 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 Jay Z as well. So, um, you know, not not leaving. You know, he's he's uh, he's not leaving Jay Z alone there, Tupac. Um, he's probably beef with some animals, hasn't he? He's beef with some with Jay Z's goldfish. He, he, what animal hasn't he beefed with? Beef with beef with everyone. Beef with everyone. Beef with beef. Beef with beef, man. Beef with the cow. He's beef with a cow. He's beef. He's beefed every. He's beefed. With anything you can imagine, he, he's beefed with any geezer. But I, I say, who who's won that battle? Um, I, I'm going to go with Naz because um, I'm going to go with Naz. But I do the takeover is a great song. But but Naz, he did it more directly. He used he made he made a song that was like two minutes shorter and packed way more into it. It was just like relentless fire, and which is ironic because it was called Ether. Uh, but what, what would you what would you say? Yeah, no, hands down, agree. I think um, Naz was just uh, he just edged it in in hitting it hitting home really, and like he just edged out and he, and he went a, a bit further than Jay Z, and like you could tell he just got under his under his skin a little bit more. I don't know if Naz necessarily like he got Jay Z got under Naz's skin in, in the same way. So um, yeah, Naz's um, Naz's lyrical ability because that was the thing with um, Naz was always the superior ly- lyricist, and it's shown. I think it's shown in the beef in the end. Yeah, and um, Naz is someone who um, he's he's inspired like the uh, the, the new generation, um, and and I think when he came came back on um, when he when he was on that Jay Cole song "Let Naz Down" when he was on the remix, it was just it was great to hear him like giving back to the new generation as well, and that's another one up there for an absolutely incredible song. Yeah, he's just he's done so much variety of content and on different style type of music. So some of my favourites are even with Damian Marley, the Distant Relatives, that collab album was cool. Um, so he's yeah, and obviously he's, he's collabed with Amy Winehouse, and like he's just got an ear for um, for, for the mus- musical talent and and 
and he can sort of morph it and he can combine with him other styles and it sounds it's it's just entertaining to listen to he's just got that that flow and that um that swagger about him it's true and it's also a wonder why the firm didn't work i don't i don't understand it crazy isn't it? that's like your what well, that's your all-star lineup that that's like classic 11 on fifa it is, yeah. I think it's it could be a case of just like um, like you know AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, both great wrestlers, didn't have the most amazing matches by their standards. They just didn't mesh well. Just didn't didn't happen. Or Brett and Brett and Flair. Mm, yeah, that's probably a good point. At the end of the day, um, you've got to be a perfect mesh in this life. Exactly. Is that like, like us two? We're we're a perfect mesh. <laughs> Jesus. Not go in a sexual way, you know, if I was, but you know. So, uh, yeah, just, yeah, so with Naz, he was similar to Tupac again. He was so well read, so he read a lot of poetry. And as you can see straight off the back in, in Ilmatic, he was so well spoken. Um, yeah, read up it a lot. Um, apparently, a Princeton professor describes Ilmatic as the definitive art of hip-hop poetry so he describes it as um, the first album to explore uh, poetry and like a poetic aesthetic um, and then he won and then from there he would also don like a braggadocious style after that one and but just uh, overall funny wordplay he was funny he could be comedic like you said and just his overall uh, storytelling schemes and, and um, yeah as it was hard, actually. I, I really, I, I thought long and hard about it because I had them number one for a while. But um, yeah, just a insa- insanely skilled lyricist, probably still to this day. Um, and he said, uh, to be fair, he's still he's still got it, hasn't he? Like I don't think he's someone that ever really fell off. No, he took he took obviously a long time after Life Is Good to release something, and then he released um he released the song the album with Kanye. And I, it was okay, but there was some. There was still some quality songs on there, like "Cop Shot the Kid." I reckon one of the best things he's ever done. And then he comes with the Lost Tapes too, which was one of the best albums I think in his catalogue. That was just insane, and, and it proves, yeah, he, he, he does still have it. Yeah, yeah, that and there was a that was recorded. There was like twenty songs on there, wasn't there? there was like so much material. I think it was recorded from. Um, like over like five years period just a five year period like unreleased tracks and, and Lucy's but the first Lost Tapes for me is one of his best uh, you got Do Rags on there and Purple and um, Drinking by, Drunk by Myself as well something you can obviously relate to yeah I, I can relate to that only too too well um, I've, one, one thing though we, we have to um, we, you, there is some negatives though oh no here we go there is some negatives. Um, I will go into the first one. Is that apparently he used some ghostwriters on the lost tapes? Oh really? Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, apparently so. Again, I don't know how well how much these rumours are true. If they if he's admitted it, uh, but apparently he did use some ghostwriters on the lost tapes. And another thing is also he does have the massive, the massive. Uh, the massive rumours of abuse um, with Khalees, his ex-wife, um, and uh, I'm hoping they're not true, but do you reckon that hangs over his legacy at all? It did uh, for a certain time because it was it was quite big when it came out. It's, it's yeah, it, it's unfortunate. Can you look past it? I don't know, but 
he does seem in a way he does seem I think he is quite charitable and quite uh, he's quite the activist you know for the streets in, in New York and the, the like poverty situation so I think he does give back in a way so maybe he's trying to mend them fences who knows yeah, and that's the thing. We, we don't know if it is definitely true as well. I don't know if, like, um, I think these are just, I think these are just allegations at the moment. Uh, so, well, I could tell you something that is true, though. That's another disappointment. That? He did, in fact, do a song, a remix with R. Kelly. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> did you ever think remix? And um... Did he ever think about it? Did he ever think? I don't think he, he he didn't he didn't need to think did he at the time he was too busy not thinking I think that was his issue. True. Uh, and now talking of, while we're on the topic of R. Kelly, um, we you know we talked about Jay Z before how he's got a whole album with R. Kelly and um, you know was saying that's that doesn't look good for him. Apparently, uh, Nas has said in an interview that Jay Z was aware of what was going on with the older underage girls with R. Kelly. Mm. Well, why do you think he never uh, he never said anything? I don't know, to be honest. I think that there's probably more than one person. It's one of them where there's secrets in the industry that don't get out. And I don't know why. Like, I can understand why people who are just coming up in the industry, maybe they're not in the position and they won't be believed. They feel like, uh, like many of R. Kelly's victims themselves, really, um, that, you know, they, they, they are, R. Kelly's in a position of power and they're not. Why people like Jay-Z, who are established in the industry, why they didn't come out and speak about it, if this is true, again, allegations, um, if this is true, why they didn't come out and speak about it? I think it's more than allegations at this point. What's that, sir? I think it's more than allegations at this point, isn't it? Well, no, I mean, allegations that Jay-Z knew about about R. Kelly with the young girls. I mean, because we don't know that bit's true. That's just what, like, Naz has said. Uh, he's also said, apparently, Jay-Z indulged in young girls with R. Kelly. Uh, isn't good. But if, for example, I mean, if that is true, that's probably why he didn't say anything. If he did, did, did some himself. But if not, I, I don't know why he didn't say anything. I mean, that is uh, that's mm. not to hear. Let's hope it's not true. It's also mad to think that Jay Z and Nas somehow squashed their beef after all that shit. That's that deep shit that was said. It's true. It's very much true. It's yes, and yeah, it's yeah. And they didn't only just like squash their beef. I think they went on to do like tunes together. And he was Nas was in the Rock Boys video. Yeah, yeah, brought him out didn't he on on a few live performances and everything. So. But I don't. So with Nas, I don't think he's defined by the beef with Jay Z, nor is he defined by Illmatic. They're just um, two really strong things that happened in his career. But he's not defined by that. He's got he's got other just um, untouchable work, untouchable albums. You have Godson, um, yeah. Just so just yeah. When it comes to the the the, the greatest storyteller of of all time, uh, for me, most conscious storyteller of all time. It's probably Nas. It's got to go to Nas. Yeah, that, that's yeah. It's a difficult one for me. Uh, I'd, I'd I'd agree with you actually. Yeah, Nas probably. Yeah, Nas probably is the king of, of storytelling. Um, definitely, yeah. And I, I can understand why you put him so high up on the list. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yes. And have you got some favourite songs? Then, what, what would you recommend? Uh, it's a difficult one. Um, I'm. I'd say 
I'd say one of my favourite songs is the live at the Kennedy Center version of um, "The World Is Yours." Um, that that is incredible, and I would also put on their "Cherry Wine." It's just just unreal song. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely up there. Yeah, and that was actually a legit feature from Amy as well. Didn't they? Did get together in the studio as well. Yeah, the story of how it came about is, is insane. Uh, I think Naz was, was doing an interview and he was talking about how him and Amy Winehouse met and they, they planned to do a song and then Amy sadly passed away and, and Naz wanted to like do a song honouring Amy Winehouse. And so um, I think like he, he had this beat, uh, he got the beat and then so I think they both worked with Salam Remy. Like Salam Remy was Naz, Andy was Jay Z, um, Naz, Andy was Amy Winehouse's producer. So I think he was working with Salam Remy, and then he picked out these vocals. Uh, and I don't think he knew, but apparently Amy Winehouse wrote those vocals specifically for Naz. And uh, she was a Naz fan, when she on a hip hop fan. Oh yeah, I mean she she sampled um, "Made You Look" on "In My Bed" from the uh, the Frank album. Another great song as well, by the way. Check 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 both of those out. "Made You Look" and um, and "In My Bed." Uh, yeah, massive Nas fan. And, and check that interview out where Nas is talking about uh, Cherry Wine. Because I don't think I really did it justice. How 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 amazing the story is. Um, so yeah, Cherry Wine would be up there. And, and the video is unreal, and it holds a special place for me because. The first time that I saw it, I saw it live, and I, well, I heard it. I, I saw it live, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And mm. it was yeah, just, I'm, I'm real. Mm. Yeah, some good memories um, for myself. It's uh, so hard, isn't it? Just so many. But to be, I know it was, I know it was written. It wasn't as critically received and as acclaimed as Illmatic, and you know, he obviously tried to go more mainstream with it, and that there's no denying that. But don't sleep on it because it's it's all it's incredible. It's not quite as raw as Elmatic, nor as it tried to be. But yeah, just give it was written a li- listen because I feel like it's proper overlooked. You know, like honestly, it's it's unreal. And I mentioned before, uh, I gave you power. That tune, it's DJ Premier beat on there, and it's it's Nas uh, narrating in the form of a gun. Just just such creative shit in it. So um, I would recommend that. It made you look as well as a classic. Um, yeah, I would I'll put them too as, as well. And uh, from God's Son, there's some good ones from God's Son. There's a song called the, the Cross, and that was actually produced by Eminem as well. So another um, early 2000s Eminem produ- uh, production track as well. Yeah, yeah. Give give those uh, give those tunes a go, geezers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we'll uh, we'll move on to the uh, wow. We're here. We're finally here. Where's the? Give me that drum roll. You could do better than that. Do it again. I'll change the surface that I'm doing the drumming on because I was doing it kind of on me. On, acapella. Yeah, I'll do it on the on the on the table here. Oh don't it's not getting a good sound here. I'll nick one from YouTube and bang it in. I think that's gonna do a better job than, than I can really. Yeah, um, I'll have to, it's going to have to do, unfortunately. But, well, do, instead of a drum roll, I could just put an 808 beat in there. <laughs> you could put every generic beat that is in the mainstream at the moment. Just just fling, fling that in there. Yeah, the, gene- the generic club the generic club beat like that. I, I tell you, when you do hear that 808 beat in a fucking club song, you just like, fuck. 
I know. Why, why did Kanye have to do this to us? He, he broke my heart with those those eight eight oh eight. So at number one, I have Rakim. Oh, the old Rakim Gage. Mm. Now, to a lot of people, probably listen to this, uh, might not even. Pro- a lot of people probably haven't listened to Rakim, and and if you haven't, uh, you need to wake up, because without this man, without the uh, the way he changed the game, without the way he evolved lyricism and rap, and the way he evolved rhyme schemes, there, there wouldn't be Nazars, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be the two packs, there wouldn't be anyone anyone that came after. Without Rakim, the way hip hop evolved, the way the culture evolved, um, just from that purely technical aspect of it, the way it evolved, it, it wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And, and obviously, Chaz and Dave came before him, so they're exempt. They still existed, they were still been as good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree, yeah. They were in their uh, salsa period at that time, that's why, man. Probably. They were doing several different things at the same time. Several different things. So, so who, who knows, really? But, yeah. Yeah, yeah Rakim, he, one of one of the pioneers. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know. Have you, have you listened so much to Rakim? He's one of them where, like, I mostly really know the, um, the Eric, Paid in Full, Eric B and Rakim. That's, that album is just insane. Um, and then over the years, you've sent me, like, the odd track here and again, and they've been decent. Um, but I'm not going to lie, uh, I'm not a massive, like, obsessive Rakim fan, to be honest with you. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see why, because he's not exactly, especially now, he's not exactly mainstream, but he's got such a, uh, he's got such a withstanding legacy, and he's just, it's probably the most important figure to come out of the golden age of hip-hop, in my, in my opinion, and he's the rapper that all the, the rap the rappers, like the historian rappers, and the, the ones who are really into the culture, they um, they know Rakim, so they know him to be the king of New York. They know they know him to be the ones that that put New York and put the East Coast even on the map more than anyone. And it's like I remember him. Um, they listen to a Chuck, there's a, there's a pro era rapper called Chuck Strangers, and in one of his songs, he's like people trying to claim they're the best. Well, it wasn't people; it was N word, but I'm not going to say that. People yeah. trying to claim that they're the best when Rakim's still breathing, and it sort of just summarised it. I always listen to that and it summarises it. it. It's so true because without him, the the multisyllabic way of rapping, without without there be no Eminem without Rakim, the whole way that you write rhyme schemes and the way you can match up syllables and and stretch out the bars. Like just think about it before that, before Rakim, and you had like the LL Cool J's and the Run DMC's and KRS One and Beastie Boys, and yeah. They were they were good and they were good. They were decent musicians, but they weren't they weren't complex. It was very very simplistic style. Yeah, yeah, he's one of them where I am. Um, it's yeah. If if you watch the um, oh, what was it called? It was that that massive documentary that Ice T was um presenting. How to rap? How to rap? Yeah, it really lays it down in there as well, like Rakim's influence. Absolutely, and so it's not just the, so you've got the writing aspect of it, the fact that he was just uh, he, uh, he evolved rap in, in a writing sense and a sing sing song writing sense, but then um, it was also his his eye and his ears as well as his producer, well mostly his producer Eric B. That he had the relaxed delivery and he was very very smooth and he pulled from a lot of jazz influences, and apparently he was a, he was actually a saxophone player back in the day and he was a big John Coltrane fan. So he uh, he was again he pulled in from different genres and he had his 
his ear to the pulse when it came to sounds and and the way we can um, evolve sounds in rap and and yeah again he just uh, sampling and and he uh, yeah he, he just put he moved it forward more than anyone ever has and I think it will be hard to sort of progress it any for anyone to come and try and progress it more than he, than he can it's I don't think it's ever going to happen again. Yeah, yeah, and um, just to to um, to say, it was the art of rap that documentary, um, and yeah, it makes sense that he was like a, a saxophone player. Because I imagine you say saxophone, did you say? I did, I did. Yeah, I, it makes sense that because he, probably having that breath control is probably what allowed him to to have the flow that he did. I can imagine. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, and he, I think him along with Big Daddy Kane, who we talked about in one of the early parts, as um, before them too, there was no relaxed style and relaxed tone in, in rap, especially in the East Coast. East Coast, it was just pretty much people shouting down the mic. So again, he um, he brought this new style. It was a new style. It was unheard of style, but it was like a stoic delivery. But it was it was so much, and it was punchline. But it was punchline heavy. There was so much like kick into his into his lyrics and his and his, um, his rhymes and yeah painful a legendary album as well just um there's you can't talk about classic albums without without listening painful yeah he's um his influence is is um is said like is is detailed by by the greats even uh five dog he's mentioned that uh, growing up um eric b for president was his um one of his favorite songs um, I can't remember what rhyme. It might have been clap your hand. He mentioned that, uh, but yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely true that his influence is completely across the whole genre of hip hop, and mm. probably the album most people and, and me as well know him for is is paid him for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I can see that's probably what the most famous for. And, and again, the Eric B and Rakim were massive, and they did. Um, they they made rap along with a few others, but they really helped rap become um, not necessarily completely mainstream. But they took it out from the streets and from the parks and from the the parties, and they put it into the charts. They were such a big influence in getting rap that radio play and getting it the airplay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I imagine so. I wasn't around. I I, I wasn't around in 1987. So um, I, I I can't even imagine what it was like, you know, a time before Rakim and then a time afterwards. Um, but needless to say, um, before Rakim and after Rakim, um, Liverpool would have been league champions. So it would have been nice to experience that. Are you sure you weren't about? I thought you had one of them fake passports. Could be, could be, it could be. Maybe I, I am someone who just looks like uh, looks younger than their years. Actually, it's a good point you've raised there. This would have been the last time Liverpool have won the title around this time, like the late 80s, and it's no, not, probably not, probably not going to happen again for a while as well. Well, yeah, well, 1990 we won it, and uh, we're going to win it again um, when, when, you know, when everything's back to normal, hopefully. So, uh, so yeah, well, I say normal, when football's, football's back on. So, uh, so, yeah, you know, you never walk alone. Yeah. What happens if... Klopp gets corona, you fucked then, aren't you? Yeah, I can't even contemplate that, really. That's, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. We can, we can only hope, eh? In, well, I want to say, right, if, if Klopp, <clears throat> I want to say, if Klopp has corona, <laughs> uh, uh, what, I was, what I'll say is, if Klopp has corona, 
I'll tell you what, that ain't no joke. <sighs> I feel like I should just uh, stop the recording now. <laughs> you got to fit, fit the pun in there, ain't you? You got you got to bung it in. The pun was intended. I intended that yes. one, by the way. No, I, no, you, I, no pun intended. No, I intended that. It's fully intended. The pun is always intended, but that's why they were quality. Always intended. We 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 don't we don't we don't we don't flake out of the pun. We we commit to the pun. Uh, so there's another thing with Rackham as well. It's just he had such rhythm, and it comes from like I mentioned his um, his past interests with uh, with you know jazz music and the like. So, and then you mixed in um, Eric B. He was. Um, just uh, he brought along the art of heavy sampling. I think he perfected heavy. The first heavy sampling in hip hop records was was heard from from Eric B. Um, so he incorporated like touches of horn or whistles and just really deep into the mix. And yeah, just um, just just, just such a strong legacies. Like the I don't they they've influenced and rack him especially. They've influenced the most the most rappers, and that, that's that's probably why for me he. He's at number one because just of his influence on the culture. No, no one's influenced the culture as a whole more than him. Yeah, I can I can completely get why he would uh, why he would be up there. Uh, and yeah, I can, I can see that. And not just paid them full. So paid them full was the debut album, probably the thing most known for. But they did come on leaps and bounds after that. Eric B. And to be fair, they only had five years. So from 1987 to 92. Uh, that was their run, and Rakim did have um, a decent solo career after that as well. Um, he released um, The Master in 99, but he, he only released three solo albums, so he's he is most famous for his first time with, without being Rakim. But there was four albums released in, in, the five, in that time frame, and four albums which cemented his, his legacy. Uh, so you had paid them four, you had some great tunes, you had Ain't, Ain't No Jokes, just starts off with an absolute banger. I know you got soul, like a really soulful one on that one. So, two good songs to recommend on that. And for me, my melody is one of the uh, the greatest rap songs of all time. So, give, definitely give that a listen. And uh, another thing I notice is about like rappers and like picking up on just rappers like Eminem and like they repeat a lot of famous lines from back in the day. And a lot of a lot of rappers will repeat things that Rakim said. He's the rapper. It's, I'd say him and Slick Rick are probably the most repeated rapper that there's ever there's ever been. Yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, I mean, even the great rappers like uh, Fred Durst from from Link Biscuit <laughs> have even gone on to uh, to repeat Rakim there. Yeah, that's true. And even the great rapper Zach De La Rocha, he's uh, he's covered uh, plenty of from Rage Against the Machine. He's uh, he's covered loads of uh, the racket Eric B and Rakim tunes. Big fans. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And you've got so you've got another album, Follow the Leader. So you've got the, the title tracks, really good. You've got Microphone Fiend, and that's actually the tune that Rage Against the Machine have covered. It's called Microphone Fiend. So check that out. That's a tune. Uh, Lyrics of Fury is probably my one of my favourites, Rakim tunes. Um, so that for me, it just that shows how much of a strong lyricist that he that he'd evolved into, and a lot of his a lot of his contents, he did, like he didn't necessarily have the deepest, the most conscious uh, contents that would be, that would come to be. But he was he was a really good storyteller. But his his whole thing was just punchlines and just straight lyrics, and um, 
getting you interested in, in that part of it. And Lyrics of Fury is just a massive example of that. Yeah, I mean, I have checked that song out, and it is uh, it is what it does what it describes really is furious lyrics. His, his flow on that is insane, and he just he just goes at you for that song. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he never really had any beefs, or like you know, it, it's hard to sort of go as in depth with some of the other rappers we've talked about, but. Just when it comes to acclaim and the acclaim from the rapper, like this fellow rappers and the and the rappers that have come after him, he's one of the more respected rappers that there's ever been, and also respected hip hop journalists and and um, hip hop moguls, and they understand Rakim's influence. So even taken from here, the source they ranked him as number one on their list of the top fifty lyricists of all time, and. Another one, about.com, they ranked them number one on their list of the top 50 MCs of all time. So it's 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 real. It is common knowledge that if you are you know you profess your your hip hop fan, Rakim he's 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 the most he's got to be one of the most iconic. Yeah, and and uh, you'd be happy to um we can confirm I believe uh, as far as I know he's not got a song with R Kelly. So get in there, sir. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I typed in R. Kelly Rakim and some uh, random dude's Facebook page comes up and his, his, apparently his name's R. Kelly Rakim. That's a, well, I don't know if that's a cool name, actually. I'll stop myself there. Half of that, <laughs> name, half of that name is cool. Which half? Well done, well done, well done, well done, well done. Well done, I'm not getting done like that. No, yeah, obviously the old Rakim bit. Yeah, I'll just, just checking. Just, just, just testing me. Yeah. Cool. So I think that really that ends the journey of my top fifty list. I mean, do you have any racking songs that you have in mind that you'd, you'd recommend? Uh, Paid in full would be uh, Paid in full would be mine. Um, banging song. Um, the sample's insane as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So that would be my recommendation. I'd say. For me, it's got to be "Don't Sweat the Technique." It's like. The sampling and the production beat on that is is insane, and like yeah, Rakim's flow over that is is just as insane as well. And that's just a song that is like made to break dance to. So again, uh, not just the hip hop, the MC and part of the culture. He, uh, I think he meant a lot for the culture as a whole, as in like the the b boying and the and even coming into it, like the graffiti and and all that. So um, yeah, that 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 for me is a that's just um, an all time classic hip hop song and. Rakim at his best. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good number one, old geezer. Mm-hmm. So that was the list, Lou. Are you, uh, you can take a deep breath now. Oh, mate. I yeah. That was that was a journey. That was a journey. I feel educated. It's a lot of stuff uh, I didn't know before. A lot of new song recommendations mm-hmm. as well to listen to. Uh, yeah. I understood, uh, and now I know your hatred of Method Man, which I, I never really understood before, but now I get it. I don't say hatred. I mean, it's just like a slight, like not even dislike, really. I just don't get it. I don't get why he's why he's like he's not the, he's not my favourite member. He's not. He wouldn't be up there for me. But yeah, but fair play to the geezer. Seems like a nice geezer. Yeah. And do you disagree with any of the placements? Is there anyone you'd have higher or anyone you'd have, you'd have lower? Yeah, it was a difficult one. Obviously, like because uh, obviously didn't put Chaz and Dave on the list because. Mm-hmm. 
like if you put them on there, like who else is going to follow them? Who else is going to like come close? So I can understand that. But beyond that, I'd say like um, I don't know. Me as a personal preference, I'd probably it depends what mood I'm in really. Like it's I'd, I'd put Tupac probably be my number one. I'd move Kendrick just make my top 10 possibly and i and i don't know it depends as a lyricist i'd put fife above q-tip but because you like for an all-round like influence and i can i can understand that really um i'm probably probably just not because i probably because i've not listened to as much rakim as you i probably wouldn't put him as number one but i can completely understand the reasons why why you did yeah it's quite surprising as well the fact that do you know the way you got into when you when you started really getting into rap and it was public mm. enemy for you, but mm. it was it was Eric B and Rakim for me they were like the first ones to uh, to really just grab me. So I think another one another reason why he's so high up is he he made uh, my interest peak my interest in, in hip hop more as I was getting into the more the old school stuff and started to appreciate the eighties as well. Yeah, I think yeah a lot a lot of the decision um, for what music you're into um, as well as you know like you know any anything really that you're into um, is, is like is determined by by your life and what what where you were in your life when you heard a certain song you know so um, yeah so I can I can get that yeah so I tried to I tried to be as, as fair as possible like I, I included you know some of the best in the 80s the 90s some some currents as well and and who knows like over time this list it probably will start to change and and hopefully some of the you know the newer rappers that i'm really into now hopefully they start to make it and you know like maybe joey badass gets on there and and maybe a um you know a denzel curry or like jids and like you've got all these brand new really you know solid rappers that are coming up and who knows maybe maybe someday they'll make it there but they're not quite there at the moment. They're not the legends that I would say that that all these are. Now, that's a good question I was going to ask you. Actually, do you have any honourable mentions apart from ones you just mentioned there who, who didn't make the list? Yeah, big one, which I probably, I probably, uh, actually, I'm not even sure if I, uh, if we talked about him. He's on my list, actually. Um, I think I did actually. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Scarface. Did we talk about Scarface? I can't remember talking about Scarface, to be honest with you. I, I, not to my recollection. No. Well, he would, he would got, you'd have to be on there, definitely, then. Um, so, yeah, maybe that, uh, maybe I'd probably include him. Because just, it's quite it's hard to come up with 50 names. And I came up with this list, like, like for real, on the spot. I remember when I seen this really shit list, I, I just did my own within, like, half an hour or, like, 45 minutes. So it wasn't, like, the well, most well-thought-out list. But, uh, yeah, Scarface, definitely. I definitely like to talk about Scarface. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who else I could think of? Um, I guess a Big Crit. Big Crit would be an honorable mention. Um, Freddie Gibbs. Um yeah, some of the new schools like a uh, Joey Badass would would be up there, and um, yeah, so a, a lot of the uh, the more the new school would be the the honorable mentions as well. But um, I feel like I've covered the, the the legends as as much as I can there. What about yourself? Any honorable mentions? Maybe LP LP from Run the Jewels. I know he's not on there. I know he's more of a producer, but he's he's also he's been a really he's a class rapper too. Yeah, I remember you saying like LP just just missed the cut. 
Um, so yeah, it's a shame. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. For honourable mentions, I'd put. See, I'd, I'd, I'd put people like Childish Gambino and mm-hmm. Tyler Crater on there. But the thing about them is, some of my favourite songs by them have been when they've actually just been singing. So I don't know if it's the rapping I, I really appreciate about them rather than they're just their full artistry. But I, I'd put them on there because, like, you know, just cause for the fact that they're rappers. Um, but then I'd put um, Action Bronson as well. He'd, he'd probably make it on there for me. Yeah, I can't disagree with that, definitely. And oh. like you said, yeah. Yeah, and also Joyner Lucas as well. I was thinking about that. He's one of them where he's, he's not come out with... Um, well, I don't know how much material he's come out with actually. I think he has been going for a while, but but he his style can you could say get a bit repetitive. But when he goes for it, he makes some of the most incredible music by ever. Yeah, good choice, Alan. And I'm sure in the future we'll probably do maybe some form of podcast on you know newer, newer rappers. I'd, I'd definitely be interested in, in that, and I'd also be interested in doing the best groups of all time and the best producers. So hopefully we can get them lined up. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, best um, best porn stars of all time. Down for that as well. And yeah, I'd lo- I'd really love to do. And this is going to be a difficult one. I reckon this one would be like uh, this could be like when we when we if we get to like a hundred or or like maybe a thousand episodes. But like um, top top fifty, we we'll go back and forth. Top fifty musicians of all time, all genres. Oof. Yeah, would you like that? Could <laughs> that could be like a twenty-four hour marathon? It's, it's true. That that's the thing. Like, I reckon if we start working on it now, start compiling our list, and then yeah. by the time eventually the hundred for the five hundred, the seven hundred for the thousandth episode has come about, we probably <laughs> will have it almost finished. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for that. Would you do like the artist per episode kind of thing? No, that would that would take forever. I reckon. <laughs> okay. I'd, I'd, I'd do it in a similar format to this, really, but uh, right. but but who knows? By the time that happens, who knows what artists are gonna gonna come along, really? So it's it's a difficult one. I mean, who knows what this list? As you said, who knows what this list will look like in in like years to come, really? Sweet, yeah, that could be the big one, and I'm I'm definitely for that. And just probably another honourable mention is a good lyricist, um, Earl Sweatshirt. He's doing some some really incredible stuff at the moment, some really out there stuff. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and so yeah, it's been been a pleasure. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure with you, Sanch. Ah, oh, thank you, guys. Always a pleasure with you as well. Mm, felt like we uh, we made them laugh, we made them cry. If there was babies' presence, they'd let the, they'd let they'd let us kiss their babies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, I, I'd abstain because I think it's a bit weird the old kissing babies. I don't like getting why people. Like, what's the appeal of that? I don't even. I don't really want to hold a baby. Like they're, they're dumping all the time, and like they 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 like they got snot running down them sometimes. I don't <laughs> understand. They smell weird sometimes. <laughs> I don't get it, me. Yeah, I'm a bit awkward around kids as well. Not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have a cat. I'll have <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> not for me. No, not for me. That's why I'm not gonna run for president because it's just it's not done done appeal to me yet. Oh, another one who's an honourable mention, which could have made this list, is a uh, Master Ace, another legendary um, Golden Age rapper. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, Master Ace, good, good old shout there. I am, um, yeah. Well, actually, here's a question for you: we we haven't put any British rappers on there. Is there any of them come close for you? 
Yeah, it was weird. I was thinking about this the other day because I was listening to Dizzy Rascal and I was like, if I would have thought about it, you know, I think Dizzy, he could have knocked around like the 50 mark or, but he, I, I definitely say he's, he's an honorable mention. As far as anyone else, um, you know, you've got like your Jests, who uh, Jest is, is pretty sick, he's legend in UK rap. But it's it, it's hard because you don't, you're not as exposed to their music, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can understand that. I'd, I'd, I'd put both of them on there, and I'd also, um, I'd also put Ocean Wisdom and um, Loyal Karna. They, they'd probably make the list somewhere for me. Um, yeah. Ocean Wisdom offers something in, in hip hop that, like, I don't think he's a complete artist. He's mm. not. He's he lacks. He does still. He's not polished, but he does provide something that almost no one can really do. And Loyal Carter is just, uh, he makes me emotional. He's a, he's a very mm-hmm. emotional and good-looking bloke. And, and sports mm-hmm. Liverpool. Yeah. This for a while. Just just one drink. One pint is all I need, Loyal. If you're listening, one pint, please. And, and we can go our separate ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's the thing is, he might be, he come down to South East London, geezer, because he, he is a South East Londoner, old Loyal Carter. He's probably watching the Liverpool game. I mean, not yeah, now. I can get over the fact that he's a red as well. I, I can, I'm willing to accept that. Yeah, he probably will be knocking about in Liverpool um, at some time, I imagine. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll keep an eye out then, and uh, I'll send you a, a selfie with him, and uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll put a finger up to him while he's uh, while he's posing with his little top on. Well, oh, that that wouldn't be very nice, but, uh, but yeah, but, but yeah, but but I, I'd put um, the old. Uh, well, also another honourable mention as before we go is um, I've got a bung on Rhapsody as well. You've got mm. to be an honourable mention, and um, and we we have talked about Lauren Hill as well, but I'd, I'd bung her on there. And and Janelle Monae just to just so just to, to get some old females uh, females mm. in. There. No, we're, we're not we're not a sexist podcast. I, I love Rhapsody. Rhapsody could have knocked around like the fifty to forties mark, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, give the people what they want, Lou. To t- take us home. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for listening to that's why no quality podcast. Thank you very much for coming on the journey. Thank you very much, uh, Paddy, for taking us on the journey. Yeah. Thank thank you, Lou. And uh, yeah, so remember to follow us on Instagram. That's why they were quality. Facebook. That's why they were quality podcast. And we'll have a website. Probably well, the website will be done by this point so go to that's why they were quality.com so you'll have everything on there all your podcasts are being one on one page the links will be there there'll also be youtube links as well and youtube teasers of the podcast so what we're working on and we'll also have articles so we're also going to be um going to be giving you some some funny shit to uh, to read through as well as well as listen to our beautiful voices Definitely, yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll be on Spotify soon as well. So hopefully, um, it it will um, hope yeah. Hopefully this will be on Spotify by the time it comes out. Depends really what my uh, my paper situation is. Um, so yeah, hopefully you'll find us there. And also, um, I am also on Tinder and Okay Cupid. Just Luis Sanchez. Uh, I've I've got a a. a You'll be able to find me. You'll be able to find me. You know, I've got like um, I'm usually smiling. I, I smile. Very, very distinguished, distinguishable face. Distinguishable face, curly hair. Um, you'll 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 notice me. The malnutrition Colombian. Malnutritious, yeah. Malnutrition, pal. Uh, some some photos I've got. Um, 
some some of my profile photos i'll be holding a camera um and and yeah but yeah thank you very much for for listening to this podcast i hope you've enjoyed it and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see you next time yeah see you next time see you next time thanks very much geezers <laughs>